0: Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 310. And today we got a doozy for you. We're going to be giving you that goo and slaying that fantasy football goodness all over the place. Today's show is all about running backs and stag party. Aptly wanted us to call this Running Back Rodeo. So we're going to be corralling all these running backs, going through, um, and it's uh, going to be a good one, man. We're going to go deep, uh, about probably about top 50, maybe 60 guys. We don't get caught up on the top guys for too long. Um, good things all around. We're going to be going off of uh, the tab ranks all position from the 2018 volume one of the pyro draft kit which just came out two days ago. Uh, We will talk a bit about that after the first few players. Uh, What's going on? Houdini, how you doing? Snag party.
1: What's shaking? Hey, it's doing good here, man. Uh, The the heat finally left us after having, what, like a couple, uh, four days here in Chicago, about like 98 degrees, 100 degrees. So uh, feeling good. And I'm nine days away from getting out of town and going to to L.A. and uh, Southern Cal. So feeling good. I yeah, I mean,
2: I thought Houdini was going to bust out and sing some 98 Degrees there, so I'm a little disappointed that he didn't, but I guess I'll just move on. Oh my God. I guess
0: so. That would be pretty funny to hear Houdini singing, or even if he had ever even heard of 98
1: Degrees. I don't know any song by 98 Degrees. No, this is you. a lie.
2: It's a lie. You know some woman at some time has had you listening to some 98 Degrees, or you watch Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey's fucking reality TV show? No, that's, I, I call, that's you.
0: <laughs> I, I definitely watched that show. She was so hot. That one. All right, let's go. Let's do it. We're going to uh, knock out the players again. Awesome work. We're going on foot fantasy football rankings for running backs off the, the uh, tab, which is called ranks all position. And if you want to take a moment right now, press pause, go buy the draft kit and uh, come back and you can follow us on this thing. If not, um, you'll be able to hear it just fine. We chose uh, running backs first next uh, show. We're going to do wide receivers and then we're going to gang up the quarterbacks and the tight ends will be uh, two shows from now. And uh, we'll just get deep into this position. So, Basically, these rankings are, come from Houdini, Stag Party, and myself. We do our tiers, and um, then the collective version of the tiers for Pyro is the average of the three of ours. Uh, I think we're going to have Waz in on future uh, draft kit uh, ish uh, episode, uh, volumes, and um, he's going to be working with Stags. I'm doing some player rankings for this upcoming season, but busy man. So for this one, it is a. It is a average of Houdini, D-Rex, and stag parties. Running back one, guy that barely even played last year, David Johnson on Arizona. Um, you know, one of you guys drop into, uh, you know, I'm going to pull up our, our individual tiers tab as well so we can go there. But uh, what are the what's the reasoning that you guys think David Johnson is going to come from oblivion to superstar uh, superstardom, number one guy overall again?
2: Yeah, David Johnson is number one on my ranks and number one on Houdini's ranks. Uh, and the main reason is this guy didn't have the wear and tear of some of these other guys last year. He didn't have a big knee injury. It was a wrist injury. So there shouldn't be too much concern about that injury going forward. This is an offense that you know was basically centered around him and Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, and either with a Sam Bradford or a rookie in Josh Rosen at quarterback, they should be looking to David Johnson early and often in the passing game. We talk about a peak season. David Johnson's peak season, it was better than Todd Gurley's last year in PPR leagues and in standard leagues, Uh, and he's just a machine as a touchdown scorer. So when you look at the pass-catching upside along with the touchdown upside, you know, David Johnson seems like a good bet. And you know, with other teams in that division getting a little bit weaker on defense and maybe focusing a little bit more on offense, it's a good time to invest. Yeah, I, I agree
1: the fact that he is the main guy there. Again, having the, the the injury that's not uh wasn't like it was a leg injury or a knee injury or an Achilles or something like that, or the Liz Frank injury. Uh, I think my only concern with David Johnson right now is his holdout. Uh, I, I'd like to see him, you know, once training camp starts, I want—I don't want him holding out on training camp because when you're installing a new quarterback and you also have the rookies in there, you want to have that continuity. So that would be my only concern for him. But otherwise, I mean, when you look around who else is going to get the football there and who's going to be it's him or Larry as, as Stag said, especially in the red zone. So you know, the upside for him there uh, for total yards from scrimmage and to get 10 to, to 14 touchdowns is he's a gold, he's a gold mine.
0: Do you guys think yeah. um, based on your stats and where you have him? my only fear with him, uh, you know, the only reason why I have him a little bit further down than you guys is just, I, I've got been really burned by taking guys, um, you no know, matter how high the volume can be um, that are on stinky teams. And I've been burned in the past and, you know, we do that power in numbers. We look at teams, and um, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm going overboard a little bit, but uh, it didn't because it didn't look great last year. But maybe it didn't look great last year because Carson Palmer ancient, and David Johnson got injured in the first week. Um, but I, that's the only reason why I've got him as my third guy. Um, but do you guys think? You know, he, there was some chatter from him uh, um, a couple months ago. They, from David himself, who's 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 kind of a reserved and and chill guy, you know, a cocky or pompous dude, saying that he he's gonna get he's gonna be the first uh running back since Marshall Falk, I think it's the third ever to be a thousand thousand running back, thousand yards rushing, thousand yards um receiving. You guys think he can pull that off this year on this team,
1: this makeup? Sure. I go oh, go ahead, Stags.
2: I mean, 1,000 thousand is very lofty, but could this guy catch 100 passes because they have no one else? Yeah. And we know that, you know, catching passes out of the backfield is like two times greater than a regular carry uh, just because of the yardage picked up and touchdown expectations. So uh, I, I like his upside because of his pass catching ability. And he's one of the guys who they move out wide to catch passes to. And that's a big factor.
1: The other thing, uh, D-Rex, to, to your point, uh, taking a guy on a bad team, I, I would worry about that more, uh, and we can kind of transition this uh, to the next guy, though, Like, to, if it was Ezekiel Elliott, because Elliott doesn't have that pass-catching ability to be that dominant guy that you can uh, put out there that even have a thought of having 1,000 yards receiving. So um, that's where David Johnson, I think, is able to overcome the bad team because he's going to stay on the field.
0: Yeah. And, and I think the one thing that I love about David Johnson is obviously what Stag said is, is, is crucial. This guy's not coming off an ankle, a foot, a knee, any serious, serious issue that's a lower body that's going to, you know, obviously highly affect um, a running backs, um, you know, key traits. Uh, it's a, it's, it's an, uh, a risk. So that's a great thing for me. David Johnson is the best uh, receiving running back in the league right now. I think there's other great ones, but he's the best. He's one of the best receiver. He's, he's up there and catches at a a completion um, rate of uh, of what's up there with wide receivers. Um, And he's a beast. So I think uh, pro football focus gave him the number one um, catching um, percentage or, or rating of any running back. So, The guy can get it done, and even if if Rosen's in there because Bradford gets hurt or sucks or Rosen just turns out to be the better player, uh, check down Charlie City for the rookie. Going to be good times for David, so I'm all in on that with you guys. Let's uh, go to our next. Anything else you want to
2: say, either of you guys? Just one note. Uh, The only other issue with David Johnson is a change in offense, You know, because they've got a whole new coaching staff there. It's not going to be a vertical down the field stretch offense anymore, which it was under Arians. It's going to look a little bit different, but they are saying they want to do the things that help running backs and don't help win football games, run the football.
0: Yep. Um, cool. Let's, um. let's go on to the next guy. We have, Ezekiel Elliott is our number two running back. Um, I'm sure that surprises a little bit Houdini, who has the lowest on him. But me and Staggs both had Elliott um, at the number two spot. Um, let's let Houdini go first and give us your thoughts on, um, on what your thoughts are for the upcoming season for a guy that isn't coming into, at least not yet. He hasn't done anything stupid yet. He isn't coming into 2018 with a pending suspension. Uh, hanging over his head. Um, So, one, when you're looking at the numbers for him last year, remember he missed those six games. um, And then, two, that he's not going to miss those this year. Houdini, what do you got?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I I like Ezekiel Elliott. The the problem for me where my worry comes in, okay, I mean, he he does catch the ball, but he's not a prolific receiver like David Johnson. So he's had 32 and 26 catches in in, – uh, and so that's uh, what um, uh, fifty-eight receptions in twenty-five games. So the problem for me is that with them not having like anybody at wide receiver, you know, and losing Jason Witten uh, at tight end, you Witten was an extension of that offensive line. That he was a you know, you're you're taking more. It's going to be more in continuity for them. They're going to have defenses that are solely going to say, we're going to do it. We're going to stack that box and force Dak Prescott to throw the ball down the field to who? So that's where I think it's going to become not as easy of a, of a situation for, for Zeke. And then the other problem is that I don't think Dallas's defense is, is ultra-dominating uh, to be able to – prevent them in some cases from kind of getting blown out and, and kind of ticking him out of game plan so that's my only concern is it is the offensive line there' still fantastic yes is he gonna score 10 plus touchdowns yes um, you know is he gonna run over a thousand yards sure is he gonna run for 1600 yards I don't know
2: yeah he's gonna face some stacked boxes but you know, the receptions were trending up last year. The number of, of three reception games he had last year was 6 of 10. The year before that, it was only 5 of 17, if you include the playoffs. So they tried to get him more and more involved in the passing game, and I think that's something that they're going to have to do a, a little bit more this year because the boxes are going to be stacked for him. When he has caught the ball, he's been very efficient, averaging over 10 yards per catch in both of the last two seasons you know he plays well against stack boxes and he has the threat of the run from Dak Prescott when they go with you know pistol shots and shotgun sets uh, that allows them to you know take a defender out of the play with his action so you know those things are all looking up um this offense is going to need to be a little bit more creative that's maybe my one biggest knock on it is I've never seen Jason Garrett do anything creative. He always seems very, very vanilla um, in how he calls a game. So I'd like to see a little bit more there, and that would give me some up, you know, some potential upside. But you know, this is something that it is maybe you know, after thinking about it, in Pete in standard, you know, Zeke is up there as the one or two pick. He's going to get you eighteen points a week, and that's the best part. Um, in PPR though, he gets knocked down a little bit. Yeah,
0: I think um, I think you just gotta see. It was so weird last year how the minute they finally um you know gave the took gave the suspension to Elliott, how just absolutely in a shell Dak went. Um, so I think the whole team was a little bit of a anomaly for the rest of the season. So it, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to see what can, what that team and what. Um, a Dez needing to feed getting rid of, you know, friggin' uh, Witten. It's going to be intro automatics on what this team's going to look like. So, uh, obviously, Dak is much better uh, when Zeke's on the field. He scores, you know, 19-plus points per game with Zeke on there in the last year uh, or even just in his career. He goes down to uh, just under 12 points per game when Zeke's not around. Uh, so... I think a lot of what happens with uh, Elliot can rely on what's going on with um, Dak. Um, but for me, the reason why I'm so high on Elliot is just, I feel like he's got a chip on his shoulder. I feel like he's just ready to, do a full season. I think he felt like he let his team down last year um, by having all that stuff going on, and like, the ownership was in his camp. And now you look at it, and the whole team's kind of been blown up and changed from last year to this year. So I just I, I like what's going to happen with Elliott from his personal mindset. Um, the unknown is the is the uh, you know the Dallas and the, their situation in games, and then obviously uh, that's about it. Because I love that offensive line still. So. Um, I'm just down with Elliot. I think I just felt more confident with him and things could change. Cause obviously that we all have the same four, three, four guys in our top tier, um, you know, and let's move on to the next one, unless you got anything else you want to uh, say on Elliot. Nope. nope. Um, okay. Let's go to one thing I will say, and this is a, a column and a, a, and a tab in the um, draft kit is, both of these guys have some um, pretty uh, tough. They're they're David Johnson's got third strength schedule, and Elliott's got the fourth, um, which means that they've got tough strength schedules ahead of them. Um, so they're facing good competition, uh, good defenses. Uh, I think their ability can beat them, but when you've got a guy who will talk about not next, but next after that, he's got an awesome strength to schedule. So you'll at number 30 and Todd Gurley. So look at that sort of stuff. Next guy, RB three, Le'Veon Bell.
2: There's there's are easy. There's are easy. Got it. Got it. Got it. I knew
0: when I was starting and I was fucking up. Okay. (laughs) Right when I started, well, sorry, I got distracted. If you can believe it, I'm going to try and mute my mic and thank God his yard's pretty small, but my fucking next-door neighbor just started mowing his lawn. Literally right when we record, all of a sudden I hear this buzzing sound. I'm like, what the fuck's that? My na- It's next okay. Door I think my downstairs
2: neighbor just started playing tunes, so that's always good.
0: Yeah. Good times all around. I guess it might sound better than the, the Union Station of trains that are always going by where we usually record. Good point. Anyway, good point. Good point. Um, yeah, okay, sorry. So David Johnson has got the third easiest um, strength schedule, excuse me, and Ezekiel uh, Elliott's got the fourth easiest. So good times for them. Gurley's got the 30th easiest. Not a good time for him. Um, what do you got to say about on Bell? Um, we'll let Stag Party start.
2: I mean, my main concerns with Bell come off of You know, another another potential holdout, and he had a slow start to last season uh, because of last year's holdout. And also, you know, the 400-touch sort of plateau. When running backs, you know, have 400-plus touches, you know, it's been a bad time. Looking at it just since 2000, you know, in the year of their 400 touches, these guys averaged Uh, 5.11 yards per touch. And then in the year after, it's 4.49. You know, it's still a pretty good yard for touch, but these guys all tend to fall off. And, you know, Le'Veon's a, a guy who had a sort of drastic fall off from his 2015 uh, season even to his 2016 season. This guy's just had a lot of wear and tear over the last couple of years, and they seem content with just riding him until he's done, until they're done with the contract because it doesn't seem like you know, they want him there for the long term in terms of inking him to anything big. Um, and after 400 touch seasons, these guys average like two games less a year. So if I'm just hedging a little bit, it's because of that.
1: 100%. I, I think I did an article on that about like five, six years ago. Uh, showing like the guys that uh, was almost kind of one of the beginnings of career year beware, because that's one of the telltale signs when a guy gets that many touches and is that prolific, it, it, the wear is going to, is going to get you. And I think you called it exactly right to me is that Pittsburgh does not have any care to retain him, which is why they're not really trying to re- renegotiate this deal. And if they do, it, it'll be a more probably shorter term team or team friendly to be able to get out of the contract at some point in time uh, early in the deal, because, I worry about his wear. I, I, you know, he has been prolific for, for what now there's five seasons. So he's going into his sixth year. Um, I, I still think you're going to feel comfortable. If you want to feel comfortable and, and flipping on the other side, you can say, well, I feel comfortable because he's playing for a contract he's playing for uh, the better deal. Uh, but again, I am concerned about the slow start from last year and the, the amount of touches that he had, you know, he, he was a uh, th- previous three seasons, like a 4.9 or 4.7 between their yards per carry average last year was 4.0. So his yards per reception went down a full yard from, from 2016. So those are things that you you definitely need to be concerned about. Now he's still piled up a uh, ridiculous, you know, uh, yards from scrimmage, but, um, the touchdowns are not there as prevalently. So I, I that's, I understand it. I, I understand the worry there, but you're still getting all around play, right? Cause you're going to, especially in PPR, you're getting that dominant guy. Um, but there are some red flags here to, to be concerned about for, for Lev.
0: Can you imagine how nice it is thinking about last year? I think Le'Veon, in my opinion, it was Le- Le'Veon Bell was, you know, and David Johnson were the two premier targets. But um, can you even think that this year you might be, getting, be able to get Levion Bell at the um, even at the fifth pick for somebody that wants to get his teammate in Antonio Brown? You can get Le'Veon maybe in a couple leagues here or there, maybe more standard than PPR, but at, at the fourth or fifth pick because of uh, Dave Johnson, a lo- love for Gurley and Elliott. Um, I think I think we're higher in Elliott uh, than most are. I think Le'Veon Bell was probably ha- ahead of him by most people, but still pretty amazing that that's the kind of depth you're getting in uh, 2018 versus uh, it was a two-man race last year.
2: Yeah. That's
0: about all. And we're back to the top for good. Yeah, I don't even need to say anything about him. Yeah, I hope he gets paid. He's, a, you know, he basically says he's not going to take anything less than what fourteen point five million dollars per season or something. That tells me he's not going to get that. He's going to play on the um, he's going to play on the uh, tag franchise tag, and then uh, they're going to let him go or trade him. Or... Could he possibly get
2: traded this year? I think they're going for it. So it's so it's tough to call yeah. that one out.
0: Yeah, they, they, the the window's closing, um, I think. Maybe. Um, all right, let's go on to Mr. Todd Gurley, uh, the guy that surprised everyone and became the biggest badass in a while, in a in a while, um and the number one scorer in fantasy that wasn't a quarterback last year. What are your expectations? I'll let you start uh Houdini if you want. Um what are your expectations on Gurley this year? you you've got him ranked as your number 2 running back tier 1 uh tell us what your thoughts are on the big man
1: yeah you know you just you really got to like everything that you saw out of him last year you know you compare what he did in 2017 to 2000 16. Uh, He had the same amount of rushes basically, 279 to 278. He went from averaging 3.2 yards per carry in in 16 to 4.7 yards per carry in uh, in 17. He had 13 rushing touchdowns. He's a dual threat. Caught 64 passes for 788 yards with six more touchdowns. So what's not to like? And now you also got to think about. Well, the the Rams are not laying back. They they've added to their team. They've added to their to their weaponry on offense. They've added to their weaponry on defense. That defensive weaponry is only going to get the ball back in his hands more. And so maybe they're going to be in more closer games. He does have a, a harder strength of schedule. But but this dude's a man beast. So uh, I, at this point, he's a hundred percent healthy. He has not been overworked. So you talk about that too from uh, the the Le'Veon Bell standpoint. He, this is a wheelhouse situation, I think, for uh, for Gurley. I i, I love the pick, I feel it's a, like it's a safe pick because here's another guy that's guaranteed he's gonna get you those double digit touchdowns. That's just, I'm not concerned about that. So, I'm all in on Gurley. Uh, I love the pick. Um, for me, him and David Johnson are very, very close to each other.
2: Yeah, the thing with uh, Todd Gurley that is most concerning is just a repeatability factor. Um, so First off, you know, after a guy finishes number one, no running back has repeated that since LT in 2007 and uh, 2006. That was the last time a running back was number one in the standard one year after the next. You know, it, it's been 11-plus years since this has happened. So that that's one thing. And then when you look at the yards per touch that he was able to put up last year, his 5.71 yards per touch – was greater than basically any season of guys with 250 plus touches uh, in the last five years. So, can he maintain that efficiency? Can he do it again? Or is it going to be a slight fall off that his numbers come back to earth a little bit? Um, and that's something I could definitely see happening. I'm not overall like off Todd Gurley, I just wouldn't make him the number one pick in my draft. But, hey, that's just me. And we got to remember when we look at Todd Gurley's and Le'Veon Bell's numbers last year, they only played 15 games getting held out for playoffs. Or else, you know, Todd Gurley could have been a legitimate threat for 70 receptions last year. But it's just hard to see him, you know, averaging 12.3 yards per catch again. Could he average in the, you know, four and a half yards per carry range? Absolutely. But... You know, when, when that other number falls a little bit, he, he's got to make it up to do. And then well, you look at his 19 touchdowns, and that's also another number that's going to be touch, tough to repeat. And, yeah, he may be locked in for, you know, double digits, but 19's a ton. And when you have 16 plus, you know, that's another one of these curses we talk about. No, I understand
1: that, but the other thing that you want to go back to, and if you want to look at those numbers, let's let's regress back to his rookie season, right? Uh, he carried the ball 229 yards, 12 games started, uh, averaging 4.8 yards per carry, so 1.1 1. 1 yard better than he did last year. Had 10 touchdowns rushing as a rookie, you know, on a horrible team. So he, he his receptions, he only had 21 receptions that year. Then he bumped it up to 43 and 64. I'll, I'll give you that the receptions maybe uh, level off and that the, the yards per reception probably come down to closer to 10, uh, nine and a half, 10. Uh, that being said, I still bet you that he's going to get you about three to four receiving touchdowns. So I'm not expecting 19 touchdowns, but I, I definitely am not thinking that he's just barely cracking uh, the double digits. I'm, I'm figuring he's anywhere from 13, uh, maybe probably four, more 14 to 16 touchdowns.
0: Nice. It's pretty amazing. Todd Gurley's twenty three years old. Um, just came in young. This is going to be through his uh, through his three seasons um, in the league. Uh, he's got third over the last three seasons. He's got thirty five total TDs. Um, so that is uh, that is the most of any running back. I um, think he's tied with Devonta Freeman on that one. So. He's a touchdown beast, but he also can get it done in the passing game. Here's the thing that I I, I think about with Gurley a little bit is, and he had huge weeks throughout the season. Um, He kind of like started real hot, then went a little bit mediocre in the middle of the season, had a few awesome games, went a little mediocre. But he basically had, let me look at these numbers. He basically, in in playoff week number one, week 15 last week, he scored 42. And then in your championship, he scored 39.6. So, Todd Gurley, obviously, if you had on your team, you probably won your championship last year, unless you just had a shitty team otherwise. Um, but that, those two numbers, those two weeks added together, constitute 25% of his season total. So in that whole kind of Julio Jones, who was kind of dud last year but had a couple explosion games, does that scare either of you guys at all? Like, Just that a lot of his total overall pointage last year uh, came in those two weeks?
2: No, he was still number one going into those weeks. It's not like there was another real threat. Him and Lev Bell were close, but then he pushed it, you know, beyond at that point. Plus, you look at like top positional weeks. How often was he a top twelve running back last last season? And, and that's another big number. Uh, you know, he was first on the list at eighty percent. Twelve of his fifteen games were top twelve weeks, uh, and he just was a 20 point machine for most of the year.
0: Yeah, no, I love, I love TPWs. Another tab in there. Let's, I think this is a good time for us to, um, you know what we're going to do quickly. We are going to take a break and we're going to have a word from, listen to this word from our sponsor Then we're going to come back. And before we get into um, our tier two of guys or not number four guy, unless you want to say something else about uh girly before then, um, then we're gonna talk about this draft kit that we just released a little bit ago. Let us Stag party um, brag about his baby, and we'll try and just talk through it a little bit, and then we'll get back going on this. So uh, give me, give us a just us a favor and listen to this. Boom! Thank you. Um, all right. So Stag, did you have anything you wanted to close out or Houdini on uh, Mr. Todd Gurley? I'm good. I'm good. All right. The draft kit, 2018 volume one just came out. I think that was on Monday, Monday night. Uh, Monday night. Um, yeah. So we've been doing our draft kit. A lot of sites out there now are doing draft kits and there's a lot of sites out there now, but we honestly have been doing this draft kit, I think going back to 2010, maybe 11. Um, so we've been on this uh, draft kit thing for a while and, um, I think we pioneered a lot of what other people are doing in theirs um and I'm I'm honest we made some changes this week and stag uh or not this week but this season stag party and our couple meetings we had um made it seem like we were uh going to be getting having a smaller lesser draft kit I think this version is better than anyone we've had yet to be honest like I'm just sitting there going through this thing tab to tab and it is ridiculous so hats off uh this thing is is just pretty much all stag party um i'll let you talk about it a little bit but damn this thing is back to like we've said before it's a weapon of mass destruction
2: yeah um we added a lot of functionality and things for you to be able to do yourself some databases uh And I I think along the line, there's going to be a lot more databases added uh, to it. So you can sort of make your own pivot tables, you'll find out what you want to know, sort, you know, by different columns, find out, you know, from the last five years of data that I, you know, have compiled and is just sitting on my fucking hard drive. Uh, You know, you'll be able to play with it a little bit and make it, make it your own, find out what you want to know. So, you know, in addition to, um, that there's, you know, a lot of rankings. So there's rankings in standard, there's rankings in PPR, there's rankings in tier versions. There's ranking in top 200 versions. There's kicker and defense rankings. Uh, I think eventually I'll throw a couple rookie rankings in here and rookie, you know, dynasty rankings as well. Uh, if you haven't had that draft uh, as of yet, but, it's just a lot of data from the last couple of years uh, that I've had compiled. So I, I just want people to be able to make it their own and find out what they want to know from the stuff that I just have sitting around.
0: I love it. And I think also just to let you guys know, as Stag Party said, he's going to be adding other elements and other potentially full on tabs of information um, this is a growing document. So right now we've got an, uh, so meaning we're, I think we're going to plan on doing four versions. So this is the version one. And, uh, before the season starts, we're going to have uh, a subsequent three other versions. And if you buy it now, you get every updated version. If you buy version two, you get three, four. So there's no reason not to buy it early, especially, um, because it is, we've actually got an early bird special going on. Um, for the rest of June um, if you buy it in June it's $15 on July 1st this thing's going uh, back up to the price we've been charging for the past few years which is $20 Um, this is 23 tabs of goodness Um, so you know not going to try and get salesy here on you but literally just buy the thing now and automatically when version two comes up in your email wah boom Hey, what's going on? Pyro just delivered a volume two of the draft kit. You're getting it. Um, And, you know, we'll be updating our rankings, the tiers, other components. The Stag party wants to sprinkle in there. Um, It's, it it, it changes, it grows. And the beauty with that is obvious. You know, we were, I grew up in the age and Houdini did as well. Stag party, I don't know too much about, but, we had to buy magazines there were like three magazines out there and you bought the magazine and these magazines are written in March and, and April and probably pretty fast in May after the draft and then all of a sudden they got to go to print to so get the printing and everything back and mail them out to the gro- grocery stores and pharmacies. Uh, you're, you're you're looking at old intel so um you know us doing these different volumes and updates is is huge because it's got the most uh, uh, recent info intel and uh, rankings
2: yeah the only magazines i bought um, no nah, i never mind i'm not gonna say this on you know i'm guest
0: <laughs> well, oh and i like it do you want to know something that's still the guy and i, I really like him I, I think his name's larry um but the guy my the my love magazine the magazine that I've I've had every year I think except for like the last four.
1: can i guess can i guess yeah you know what it is what is that, it uh, fantasy
0: sport index Fantasy football index yes yeah yeah um, but Larry, always, he, that guy, the owner, the guy that starts it, he must be real old. Cause that magazine was around the first year I did fantasy in 88. Um, he always reaches out to me. One, he always, he wants pyro to market and advertise, but he reaches out to me and always is like, I love your logo. I love your design. And he's like, he like kind of is asking me to help him pro bono. And, but he's also being very cool and friendly. Um, but That site, and it needs a lot of help. The site hasn't changed in 20 years. But that product, I'm going to tout it because it's an old school and it's one of the pioneers. Um, It is the pioneer as far as I'm uh, concerned on the draft kit. Fantasy Football Index. If you're ever in a grocery store, uh, even if you don't like buying a magazine, you see the Fantasy Football Index – buy that one because i wouldn't i wouldn't have wanted to do pyro and probably houdini the same if it weren't for that magazine and that that guy that that guy and his cheat sheet and all that stuff it's won me championship so um i'm happy to support his cause good guy i'm pretty sure it's larry but um anyway anything else you want to say about this draft kit no let's go i will say one more thing one (laughs) sorry one tab that i think um blew me away there's two tabs that really blew me away one was the um, the weekly uh, scoring database um, is awesome. Um, so basically it shows it's a grid, like a matrix of all the scoring that goes on. Um, but the projections are ridiculous as well. Um, the projections, so Stag Party goes in, and any fantasy relevant guy across all 32 teams, um, he's projecting their stats for 2018. Pretty awesome, I think. I like your projections. I think another guy. I think Clay does a good job with his projections, but yours. I mean, I'm looking at him and I'm like, God damn, that feels right. Um, impressive for you to take the time to do that. Also, love the um the targets, uh, touches, and looks that um Stag Party has gone back and given the last five years of them, so you can go and see Jimmy Graham's targets in 2013, his catch rate, uh, how many catches he got on the targets, yards, TDs how many points you get in standard PPR per game uh, overall. It's pretty badass. It really helps you pinpoint the consistency of a player um, uh, from year to year. So great, great stuff. I mean, looking at some of those badass games uh, uh, from over the season at different positions, pretty impressive. So enough well, of that. Pick well, up the draft kit volume one. Uh, buy it now off for 15 bucks on July 1st. it will go to 20 Buy the first edition now. You'll get all the subsequent ones. Stag party. My hat's off to you, dude. You
1: are a badass. That thing rolls. Hey, and let me just say one thing, too. I love the projections tab, too, because it's by team. So it's not just showing you the quarterback and what he's going to do. It's it's everyone on the team. So I, I think that, that's, a, that's a really cool tab. All right. Moving on.
0: Cool. Absolutely great.
2: Um, all right. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. If you've been fast-forwarding and looking to get back to the information, you can now press play. Um. What, thank what, you. What, what,
0: <laughs> one thing I want to say, actually, I'm going to ramble one more time. Does anyone remember, and these these reviews are still up on iTunes, but remember we did, we've done in the past, like I think twice, probably three years ago is the last time we did it, maybe even four, but we used to do a full-on pyro podcast show just on the draft kit and we would talk about the draft kit and go in and just dissect it and certain, a few people probably that just came to us for the first time just hated it so much. They were like I listen to the show, and they were promoting their podcast the whole time. It's like dipshit. We record every week, which was a lot back in the day. Like, we run out of content. Like, we release the thing, we want to promote it. But funny stuff. Anyway, back to Kareem Hunt, running back number five. Um, He's got a tough strength schedule at 25. What are your thoughts? Um, I'll let Stag Party go first. Kareem Hunt, can he outdo himself, or is he a guy that can – he's going to fall where he should, or is he going to let people down this year?
2: I think he's going to be another top five to seven, you know, back. It's a lot of tight tiers this season. I feel like, uh, especially through the top 10 or so, and then it starts to thin out and get a little bit wider, but you know, that's why drafting, you know, the two running backs has been immensely popular. So, so far this year in MFL tens, uh, it, you know, best ball leagues in general and, you know, dynasty startups. People have just been running and flocking to the running back position, you know, with the influx of youth at the position and guys, you know, having career years and still look like they're ascending. And Kareem Hunt's one of these guys who looks like he's ascending. Uh, you know, he might not have a, a 4.9 yard per carry average. Um, and, you know, overall, How Andy Reid treated him at points of the season has been much discussed. But this is a guy who looks like he's in line for 1,500 uh, 1500 total yards and 8 to 10 touchdowns. Uh, And, and, you know, depending on what they do with their offense, if they go with a pass-happy mode for Patrick Mahomes and just let him learn on the fly, this is a guy who can catch the football or if they decided to protect Pat Mahomes and run the football and, you know, let him get acclimated, you know, in a slower sense, Kareem Hunt's going to be the main, you know, proprietor of that volume. So I definitely think there's still some upside to be had, and this is a guy who makes big plays. So uh, I'm excited to see how his second season turns out.
1: Yeah. For for me, I, I have him ranked a little bit lower and it's just because of, the unknown now with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, how's this offense really going to look? You know, I was, I was definitely encouraged by the end of the season for Kareem Hunt, obviously uh, after he blew up for the first five weeks, he pretty much kind of disappeared for about a good uh, six, six week stretch. Uh, But then, you know, coming at the end of the year, you know, he had uh, uh, four touchdowns in his last four games. Uh he had uh and that was in, when the last game in the game sixteen against uh, the sixteenth game he had one carry for thirty-five yards and a touchdown. So uh I, I like what Hunt has. They have a lot of weapons there. I, I just worry a little bit about the continuity and, and I want to know if he can handle that workload because he had a lot of games in the mid-20s in, in carries, um and you know, 272 carries last year. He was strong at the end. I think now, you know, he should be prepared for year two. But, you know, he's one of these guys that kind of worry a little bit about a sophomore slump. That's why he's my number seven running back.
0: Damn, seven. Um, I'm concerned a little bit on, and this is a Houdini 101 right here. He's got a hamstring injury right now. Um, That's a little bit worrisome Um, where he's been kind of been held out of um, OTAs and mini camps with a hamstring injury. I never get too excited when you've got those things popping up uh, and they haven't even gotten into, uh, um, you know, camps. So when you have some of those hamstring injuries, they can always kind of linger. They can always kind of get better and then get really worse in one cut. Um, But it's, that worries me. And then the other thing, and I'm high on Hunt. I like him. I think he's a great fucking player, but uh, also obviously I think, Uh, there's could be some, some some change happening where you get Mahomes in there and I've got big expectations on him. I like Mahomes. I think he can be a top 10, 12 QB, but it's, it's just, it's going to be a little different than the, uh, than the, the the slow and steady, um, you know, old wily vet, smart guy and Alex Smith, it's just going to be a different scene. So, they got a lot more wide receiver, a lot more talent out there. Now we know what Tyreek Hill is. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of miles to feed through that passing game. Um, they might start kind of letting it loose a little bit, which maybe helps out Hunt in some way, but it also could maybe uh, eat into his rushing attack workload. Yeah. Um, anything else on Mr. Hunt?
1: I got nothing. Uh, now let's move on.
0: All right. Um, Number running back six, Melvin Gordon.
2: So Melvin Gordon is just a guy who's been, you know, pretty consistent over the last couple of years, uh, is a threat for 10 to 12 touchdowns, you know, should be in the 1,400 to 1,600 total yards, And even though he's not very efficient at running the football with just 3.9 yards per carry over the last two seasons, he finds the end zone. He's been growing in the passing game and they're saying they're going to get him even more involved. This is an offense that looks loaded with weapons around him in the passing game. Phillip rivers knows how to check plays and get him in the right spots. So he's just a guy I expect to be consistent on a weekly basis Uh, and still have some room for two touchdown games and upside. And, and, you know, the addition of receiving touchdowns to his game over the last two years has been a big boom. But I I just think the consistency and the offense around him is going to put him in scoring opportunities, especially when they have, you know, a defense that that looks pretty dominant on paper. They're going to give him chances to run it in from short yardage.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really where you where you're relying on here with uh, with Melvin because he is that consistent player. You know, um, he doesn't really give you too many dog games, and at the same time, he doesn't give you uh, too many super amazing uh, uh, highlight games. At least from the rushing standpoint, he only had two hundred yard run games last year. Um, you know, but. He he still is, is, is able to be effective and pile up yardage. You know, he had uh, 1,581 yards from scrimmage last year and 12 touchdowns. So um, this is where you, you get the benefit. And I I agree. He got more involved in the passing game. I don't know how, if he was as effective catching 58 of 83 targets last year. Um, He was more effective the year before catching 41 of 57 for basically the same yardage, but I think with the loss of Hunter Henry, I think he'll have to kind of maybe absorb some more of that in the passing game. So that should give him more looks. But again, this is the, the guy I think that you're not looking at as uh, necessarily a super boom type candidate, but he's definitely not a bus candidate either. He's going to, he's going to give you the safe play. If you're picking toward the end of that first round, you want that safe running back. They're going to get you those consistent points with a couple of nice upticks. Here's your guy.
0: Cool. I like it. Let's move on to um, Saquon Barkley, rookie, Giants. I can't remember. um, eh, Maybe, maybe I can. Uh, He's super high though. Um, What are your thoughts? Uh, Tough schedule, um, new coaching system. What are your stag party? You go, you can start um, on him. What are your thoughts on Barkley this year?
2: So Barkley looks like a guy walking into 270 plus carries in the offense. And we know, you know, from his time at Penn State that this is a guy who's an effective pass catcher. You know, all the OTA reports have been shining about how he's just toasting linebackers, and there isn't a linebacker in the goddamn league that can keep up with them. And that's just something that's true. This guy's got blazing speed, can catch the ball out of the backfield, can be split out wide. And he's going to be a matchup nightmare. So, you know, even when it comes to should I take Saquon or Melvin or, you know, Kareem Hunt, I don't think you can really go wrong with anyone. But Saquon has the sort of, you know, blow-up potential. This is a guy who if you draft among the top 10 running backs, you shouldn't be worried. This should be like an Ezekiel Elliott year one impact to where he's going to be 1,400 Uh, plus total yards and then, you know, a threat for double-digit touchdowns. I I don't really see any downside uh, with Saquon, and, you know, the offense looks improved and the play calling should be improved. Uh, You know, getting Pat Shermer in there, and we saw what he was able to do with the combination of Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon last year. But even before that, we saw him give the ball heavily to a rookie early in the season, with Dalvin cook, that, that should be a great segue. And you talk about threats to this guy. It's just Wayne Gallman and Jonathan Stewart. Like th- there's not really a threat on his team to take away carries to vulture carries to vulture touchdowns or to vulture much work in the receiving game.
1: I, I, I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent on board there. I love Saquon Barkley. I love the fact that look, the giants, are still invested in Eli Manning. They're taking Barkley because they want to win. Uh, they want to win now. And you have Odell Beckham and you got Evan Ingram and you got all these these weapons around him that take pressure off of him. So while Ezekiel Elliott's going to be facing stacked boxes this year, here's Saquon Barkley who's going to be able to kind of be more of a freelancer and kind of do more things I- it without having as much attention paid to him because if you start overpaying attention to him, boom, you got Odell Beckham or you got Evan Ingram or Sterling Shepard. So... Uh, I, I love Barkley this year. Well, Stags. one of the things that you kind of
0: had mentioned in some of your tweets over the last month or so is just, I mean, ah, how fantasy point sustainable are the projections that you see people and everyone? everyone's ranked so high here on the New York Giants um, in their skilled positions uh, from Evan Ingram to obviously OBJ to even Sterling Shepard, and then you got Barkley. Is there truly... <coughs> enough fantasy points to warrant this and if so isn't eli manning like a top six seven pick if there's all these points happening does that help barkley is he impervious to such kind of a a statement by you which I, i agree with wholeheartedly um or could there be this season where barkley does pretty good has a pretty good year you know, maybe he's 800 yards and eight TDs. And really, where they're getting it done is through the passing game. Um, and then it all kind of is opened up because people have to worry about Barkley, something that we know the giant, a, a team hasn't had to worry about a giant running back since I'm out Bradshaw back in like what, 2010 and 11?
2: So basically, a running back in the top 10 will get. Be like 27% of his points from the receiving game. So I think Saquon can still, you know, be a thousand yard runner or under a thousand yard runner and still be, you know, a good fantasy asset. Sort of like we saw with Alvin Kamara last year um, and how he was able to do it on just 120 carries. Uh So even if they maybe limit his work in the, uh, you know, rushing game, there'll be, you know, plenty of passing duties to go around. But this isn't a team that I can see going, fuck it, chuck it, and just throwing the ball all around the field. I think they're going to go through Saquon and OBJ, and then the rest of the targets are maybe the ones who suffer the most. Well, cool. All right.
0: Good. Uh, you got anything else you want, Dini, or should we uh, jump on to RB8, Leonard Fournette? Let's move on to Leonard Fournette, let's start with you. Houdini. You got him the lowest. You're you're rocking uh, him at number ten. Um, what's uh, what are your thoughts on Fournette? And I'm not saying you, you don't like the guy or anything, but um, you know you've got some other youngsters. Uh, you got th- three guys that were drafted later than him last year, ahead of him um, in your running back rankings. What are you what are your thoughts on Leonard Fournette? Um, you're a dynasty guy. Is there any angle there um, that's beneficial or or or, or
1: opposite? Well, I mean, here's my problem with Fournette. Um he averaged three point nine yards per carry last year in thirteen games. Um he did score nine touchdowns, but he was under three yards per carry in five games last year. So you know, and again, Jacksonville's got a vaunted defense. They don't have a vaunted offense. It's still Blake Bortles who's at the hel- helm here. So it's not like any defense is going to say, "Oh, we we need to go in and we got to stop Blake Bortles." Are going to go in and say we got to stop Leonard Fournette? Now, where Fournette is is a fantasy dream for you is in standard leagues and, and touchdown leagues because you saw what he did in the playoffs. They know, he's their hammer when they get near the goal line. So. uh that's nice. I mean, he he does actually. It's not like he's not a receiver. He, you know, he 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 did have uh, at least three catches. I think in, in, in um, about like seven of his games last year. So he can add that threat. But he had a couple of huge games, and I think that's where most of his production came from. So it's just, I feel like it's a lot more inconsistency that you're going to get with Fournette. So where I look at Melvin Gordon as being that that more easy consistent player that you can trust this is that consistent player that I just, I worry about.
2: Yeah. I do worry about the weekly consistency and, and also the injuries. This is a guy who was hampered by them last year, played in just 13 games. It was always sort of lingering. Oh my God, the hammy the hammy the ankle. And that was something that he had even going back to LSU. But we talk about that work in the passing game and he was on pace for 44 uh, catches in a 16 game season And, you know, the overall number of carries, this is a guy who should probably be looking at for 300-plus carries if he gets to play a 16-game season. Um, And the touchdown should follow. We talk about that defense taking over the ball and getting it back and putting their offense in good spots. This is an offense built to run around Leonard Fournette and let Blake Bortles take deep shots. So that's what they're going to continue to do. Uh, I think Fournette... If you can get them in the beginning of the second round, maybe middle of the second round, you're playing with house money. Um, you should have a great, you know, second season. And there's not too much to be concerned. I mean, the only thing you're concerned about is, hey, there's a couple of weeks where he may only give me five points, and if that's the worst you can say about a player, you're doing pretty well. Last year, didn't he get
0: suspended for a game from the team?
2: Yeah, I think that happened.
0: That wasn't just like a first quarter or a first half. Like literally he showed up late for maybe even like a team photo or some stupid thing, and he got suspended for a game. This guy's never had any character issues, but God damn it would that piss me off. I had him in no leagues last year, but he got suspended for a game by the team for doing, uh, you know, some stupid shit. Um, Hey, I'm I'm with you guys. I think you guys – Right? Isn't that crazy? Like, can you imagine if you're, like, you're all, all in on Fournette and, like, yeah, you're not playing today because you came late to uh, run. Th- it was run through the day before, like, at the hotel or something. He just didn't show up. Anyway, I'm, I think you guys did a great job covering it. He's ridiculous. I love his work ethic. He's a man job. I think even his breakaway speed last year, like, there was that play against when uh, they were playing against the Steelers where he broke through there and there was all these DBs that were already running after him and flanked around and he just took off. So he's got that breakaway speed, even if, like you said, Houdini's yards are very low. Um, Here's the one thing I'm liking for – here's the one upside for me that I would roll the dice on this guy. And like you said, if he's available in the second round, you're pumped. Um, It seems like the league a little bit is moving a little bit bit towards the dominant defenses – are are kind of uh, going to win you the championships, and you need a ro- a ground and pound game. As much as this is a passing league right now, when you look at the uh, the championships over over the years, it's still a good defense or a great defense, and you gotta have a running game. Last year's Super Bowl champions, Eagles, you saw it right there, dude. Um, obviously, they were they had a backup quarterback. I think the league's moving a little bit more towards the running back, ground and pound, and solid defenses as, as kind of the, the hallmark for winning championships, and this guy is on the team for that setting. I
2: don't yes. know, man. I
0: that They got the best uh, defense in the league, and, and if they they can keep them swarming down, like Houdini said, Bortles, fucking guy, you think they're going to let him fuck it up, even though they signed him on for a few more years? It's like – I'm worried about his injuries from week to week, and maybe his consistency as well. But this is a team that, if Fournette can get the ball a hefty amount of carries every week and keep that ground and pound and keep that clock running, they're gonna they're gonna have the best record in the league again. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, what
2: difference. I'm talking about is where the league is headed. Like, this is still a passing league, and Philadelphia, the way they did it, is they threw more often than anybody on what first downs. Second downs, they were a pass-heavy team, and they ran off of the pass. So, you know, that's the way you can win, and that's, you know, the aggressive mindset that these teams need to have. They need to try to get to a first down before ever reaching third down. Um,
0: I'm with you. you. Last thing I'll say, I I think we both like this guy a lot. Right now, Marquise Lee – is the one guy standing there. I know we like, we like Cole. Your, your Cole's poem was awesome. But when you let Allen Robinson, who's hurt all last year anyway, so it didn't even matter, but are you worried a little bit about the receiving core? I like D.D. Westbrook going into his second season, but this is not like – it doesn't look as good on paper right now as it did a year ago.
2: Definitely not, no. Uh, there are major concerns there, but what the guys they do have are field stretchers. Um and that's what really can open it up for a, you know, runner. And, you know, Fournette's got the breakaway speed. He had two of the fastest um, you oh, know, yeah. speeds recorded last year. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm there for his oh, talent. Right. But the offense as a whole is just going to take shots. Yeah.
0: Okay. I agree. Um, running back nine, Alvin Kamara. Actually, before we get to him. Do me a favor and listen to this word from our sponsor. Alvin and the Kamara monks. He's obviously sitting in a spot where I think he's getting overdrafted. You got Mark Ingram getting suspended. Um, I'm gonna let Houdini go in first because I'm pretty sure he's got him the highest at nine. Stag Party's the lowest. No, we, me and you both have him at nine. Um, what do you What do you think, Houdini? Uh, when it comes to Kamara, can is he scaring you at all, or do you just think this kid's way too talented?
1: I mean, I think the kids are immensely talented. When you talk about a, a player that, if you want to project, who could be the next person to go a thousand rushes and a thousand receiving yards, it could be Kamara. He had you know he had uh, over 800 uh, receiving yards last year He only carried the ball at stacks at 120 times so um, average six yards per, per carry. Um, the concern for me is that you know everyone I think is really jumping out it's like oh well Mark Ingram's out so this is going to be great for him. I, I actually think that that's not great for him I, I think he does better with Ingram there. Uh, because you know to be able to have those super fresh legs like he does and and to be able to have Ingram be out there as a running back and even have Kamara be out there split as a wide receiver on some of those same uh, plays, that's where it plays into his advantage. Now you're going to be kind of maybe asking him to do a lot more than he normally wants to do in the first four, that he normally should do in the first four games. And I think that you're right that he's being overdrafted. So this is this is my ploy for for all you people who like Kamara this year. Don't draft him. Let him suffer in those first four weeks where he gets all that extra uh, the extra attention. Those guys who drafting him high are going to be uh, getting all pissed off by week two. So start talking to him by week three and start making the trade for him to get him once Ingram comes back.
2: Right now, Alvin Kamara is the sixth player overall drafted in MFL tens. And any league where there's PPR aspects, this guy is getting in the top half of the first round. There are people saying he should be the number one overall pick in PPR drafts. So my issues with Kamara are overall sustainability of touches. You know, he had just 120 carries. So so let's parse this information and let's see what we could do here. Of guys with 100-plus carries in a season, guys who average six-plus yards per carry, there's been, what, eight before him. They've averaged 214 attempts for 1,300 rush yards. The season after averaging six yards per carry – uh it's not as good. They fall from 6.12 yards per rush to 4.8 yards per rush. Their rushing touchdowns are cut in more than half. So if we just look at his you know rushing game, that's something that's likely to come down. But everybody's you know accounting for it. Hey, he's gonna get more carries though. Okay, so if he falls at, at you know a pretty normal eight, that's like the history of the league. Um he's gonna fall by 1.32 yards per carry, and then you're looking at the guy who's averaging 4.7, 4.8 yards per carry, and then at you know 160 carries, the numbers just you know don't shake out as well as they did last year. Um, so that, that's my main concern is the overall let's give him 60 more carries, and, and that gives him 768 rushing yards, which is just 40 more than last year. And then the rate at which he scored touchdowns was also huge last year on a per-touch basis. Like, the biggest in my database, and, you know, I've talked to people, he's the biggest in in a long time in his rates per touchdown. So those are my overall concerns is if he becomes more of a 7-9 to touchdown player and then, you know, that comes along with, you know a little bit of regression in the run game and then probably you know can he even repeat what he did in the passing game um and then we're looking at more of like the 10th running back rather than the fourth which he finish, finished in standard leagues last year and when you switch to PPR it's even higher uh this guy was the number 3 PPR running back
1: yeah you know, and, and I agree with everything that Stags is saying. This is why I'm saying he needs Ingram. Look, he only had – the most carries he had in a game last year were 12. He only did that three times. He only had more than 10 carries five times. So, if you're trying to say that all of a sudden we're going to give Kamara 20 carries a game, he's going to break down. That's not how his game and where his skill set was built. So, I, I agree with those concerns. I, I definitely – I think he's still an immense immense talent and I think he could still be uh you know a, I don't think you need to be projecting him to be getting uh 200 carries I figure if they had everything right they'd probably like him to be right around his stack set about 160 give no more than 10 carries a game that's about where you want him and let him do his damage as a receiver uh but you definitely better expect some regression uh, in year two from those yards per touch average and yeah. touchdowns only had one 100-yard rushing
0: uh, game uh, and only had one 100-yard receiving game. And you, you'd look at his uh, his game log, and there's a lot of, a lot of uh, holes in, in, in each side. So we'll see. And, and Stegs, somebody open a bag of chips over there. Um, Stegs, with, with the numbers that you're talking about and all the um, intel on how high he's getting drafted and some of these stats – and how high he's going in MFL 10s, you're you you're you're not on board with how high he's going, right?
2: No, I think he's more of a second-round pick. Uh, if you want to take him early second round, I'm fine with it. Uh, I do think he's being overdrafted at the top half of the first. If you want to take a stab at the back half of the first, I don't really have a problem with it too much. I, I think it's a couple spots too high, but we're nitpicking. Get your guys – when, when you're at the 10th spot and, and a guy's got a wraparound pick. Um, so that, that's my overall thought. I, I think it's a couple spots too high. And, you know, he's being drafted, you know, ahead of some elite wide receivers as well. Last
0: thing I'll say on Kamara from the uh, top positional weeks uh, tab in the draft kit. Um, he is fourth last year, um, nine out of 16 games, which is pretty impressive because he really got kind of a late start being a rookie. No one even thought this guy was going to do Jack on a stick, uh, really come, uh, last a year ago in training camps. And even the very beginning of the season, um, uh, Ingram started off hotter than he ever has in his life. Uh, but he's still fifty-six percent of the time was a top twelve running back, so that's 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 consistency. And when you look at it, he didn't do it till his first time wasn't week four, but he he finished off his season doing uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, missed out fourteen, missed out sixteen, uh, then was it in seventeen? Which whatever. I think fourteen uh, was like a Thursday
2: night game. Got injured. What's that? Remember the we- week. Week 14 was like a Thursday night game. He got injured in, like, the first quarter and never played.
0: I remember that. I remember that. But badass. So, that's pretty impressive. That's a nice little second uh, two-thirds of the season for the guy. Um, let's move on to our next player, and that's going to be LaShawn McCoy. Getting up there in age. He's in the, the running back number 12. Buffalo, who knows what's going on. Right now you're hearing Nathan Peterman's the number one best quarterback they got. Um It's between him, AJ, AJ McCarron, and uh, what's the rookie's name again?
1: John uh, Allen. Yeah.
0: Um, go for it. Which one of you guys wants to stay? Uh, Houdini. What do you What do you got? McCoy? Is he gonna? uh, Could this be a a shock? Like put up huge numbers kind of year? Is it going to be a regular McCoy season like we've seen over the past couple? Or is he, uh, is he about to have the tire wear, th- wear thin?
1: I think the tread's about done on that. Yeah, that's what I'm
0: looking for. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so, you know, look, he, he averaged less than four yards per carry last year. And the year before, uh, you know, he's a career 4.6. He averaged 5.4 in 2016. With what they don't have there for any weaponry, Zay Jones is going to take some pressure off of him? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, Nate Peterman, a quarterback, turning the ball over every second? No. So they're just going to force-speed the ball to McCoy. He's going to get bottled up by defenses. Uh, the other problem is that, you know, this is not a guy that you can consistently count on in his career to give you 10 touchdowns. You know, he's only, in his nine years, has only had more than 10 touchdowns in a season twice. So, um, rushing. Rushing. He's had three times, three times, uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, three times he's been over uh, total touchdowns but rushing touchdowns only three times. And he only had six rushing touchdowns last year, eight total touchdowns last year. I don't know where you think that there's going to be a, a high productivity in the passing game with what he's got. Is this going to be dump-offs? Is he going to be able to turn those into big yards? I don't think so. Uh, I, I think defenses are just all going to be focused on him. The time catches up to you. He's had basically, besides his rookie year, he's had over 200 carries in every season since, coming off of 287 carries last year. Um, you know, and, and again, almost 350 total touches. So I'm, I, I'm a Baylor. I, I I think that this is the time you've, you've gotten some great play out of him the last two years. Uh, I don't think it continues in, t- in 2018.
2: My my main concerns are, the, you know, the loss of Tyrod Taylor. So Taylor provides a rushing aspect that, you know, maybe Josh Allen does, but nobody else between AJ McCarron And Nathan Peterman provides Um, McCoy's best is a shotgun runner. These guys, you know, that's not their strong suit. They want to be under center running traditional offenses. Um, So, you know, they started to flip back to that last season. And then, you know, figuring out Tyrod wasn't exactly comfortable in those sets. It eventually switched back to a little bit of the offense they had run you know, the previous year. So now they're going to go with more of a traditional under center attack with the fullback in front of them. That's just not what Shady does. You mentioned the carries and how he's likely to face stack boxes. Let's also mention the turnover on their offensive line this season. You know, Richie Incognito and Wood, uh, and then, you know, Gordy Glenn uh, also being traded. So now they're looking at, you know, an entirely new offensive line that, and this is a line unit that over the last couple of years has been one of the best in football and moving people and creating space. Uh, I, I do think the workload's going to be there, but the overall efficiency and scoring opportunities that go along with that workload won't necessarily follow. Sorry.
0: Sorry. I was uh, muted. Um, the lawn, the lawn, the lawnmower has stopped. I should stop doing it. Daisy's panting over in the corner. Um, yeah, I'm going to give a little bit of credit to McCoy and say, I still think he's got a couple years left because I think he truly wants to achieve greatness. Um, he's in, he's in an echelon now where he's over 10,000 yards, um, hit that last year. Um, you know, that's something to be said for an NFL uh, running back. Um, you know the numbers go down significantly from that to when you get twelve thousand yards, uh, which is not too, he's not too—he's brought two thousand yards away from it. But um, I think that this is a guy that could that wants to be a Hall of Famer. I totally hear what Stag and I, and I never even thought about it until Stags was just saying it on how, the under the center. You've been saying for years how he's he's a shotgun guy um, and needs to be running on the outsides. Um, I think PFF has got him as the best outside runner still in in, in the NFL. Um, but I just think – I think I'm going to just go mindset, and and I'm going to think that this guy's got the mentality. He's 29 right now. He turns uh, 30 in like two or three weeks. I um, think he's got the mentality to say, you know what? If Edwin James is a finalist on the Hall of Fame right now, like he's got three more good seasons – other than the fact that he wasn't with Manning and doesn't have a championship, like stati- statistically, he starts moving closer to the Edron James, the uh, Frank Gores, and all those guys. So I think as a competitor, I, I I still am not off him yet, and I think he's a great, let's say, mid to late round uh, second, second round pick. Um, I don't think I'd be too psyched to pick him in the early part of the second round, um, but... That's what I'd say. I just I just like his 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 want to be one of the greats. I guess is all I got.
2: I mean, he's probably already close to Hall of Fame level. So.
0: I, I agree. I completely agree. That's why I think all he needs, I, I fully you look at the guys he's there with, like, um, what's his name? Marcus Allen, Thurman Thomas, Franco Harris, like he's gonna finish with more yards in his career than these guys. They're all in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I think a lot of them are, you know, had, were on better teams. I think he's in Buffalo, uh, not during the losing four Super Bowls in a row era. Uh, but he's gonna finish his season unless he gets traded. As um, I guess he he got traded as more with more yards than uh, Thurman Thomas, who's the best running back there. I know he got a lot of them in, uh, in, in with the Eagles or whatever. But I agree. I think he's very close Hall of Famer. That's why I like him still, and he's only twenty nine. Gonna be thirty. I let's mean, go, on the, yeah. go on to the next dude. Unless you got anything else on him.
2: No, let's move it.
0: Dalvin Cook, running back eleven. Who's liking Dalvin the most out of the three of us? that probably me. Uh, Houdini. Houdini's got him at eight.
1: Go for it. I mean, look, he's, he's coming off of the injury. We, we do, we do know that, but did you see him play last year? <laughs> the guy, the guy was amazing, uh, you know, to, to start the season for those first four games. So um, you also look at what do you have around you? And now he's got legitimate quarterback with Kirk cousins. He's got dynamic weapons all over the field with the passing game, a solid tight end play. So You know, what is not to like? And here's a guy that you can figure is not only going to be active as a probably close to uh, getting at least around 20 carries a a game now, especially now with Jarek McKinnon not there. Um, You look at what he does as a receiver too. As long as he's healthy on this team and then, and again, having a defense that turns the ball back over to you and being in, Uh, a division where you need to be able to run the ball to be able to play outside in Chicago and Green Bay and for playoffs. So, you know, I just think that I love Dalvin Cook. And then the other thing that's great about him is when you have the home games, you're in the Dome. So at the end of the year, he's still as dynamic as ever when he can be on that turf. So uh, I'm all in. I I love Cook.
2: Yeah, overall, the only concerns are, you know, do they mix in Latavius Murray a little bit more, seeing how he was pretty good for them last season? You know, change in offensive coordinators going from, you know, Pat Shermer, who ran the second most team run plays, to, you know, a guy in John Filippo, who is expected to be a little more pass-centric, especially with Kirk Cousins under center. We know he is a good, you know, receiver out of the backfield, uh, it, but we don't know what his touchdown you know expectation really is and you know overall coming off an injury these guys start a little slower and then get better and better as time goes on so you know in the middle of the second round to end of the second round i'm comfortable taking the stab i'm just not comfortable you know people are taking a stab at him at at the one two turn um i guess that's my main you know he's currently the uh 14th drafted running or 14 drafted player in MFL 10s. Uh, I just prefer some of the other guys around him at his current cost.
0: Those Kirk cousins um, being added instead of um, case Keenum um, that helped all, let's just say it's healthy. The health issues, no deal. He's the workhorse back. Latavius isn't eating into him. Obviously Jarek McKinnon is now gone um, this year. What, is is kirk cousins and this new system that's this new setup help him or hurt him
2: probably helps i mean but it is a new system and it is a lot of new moving pieces
1: well see the one thing for me is with the new system the one thing that's easiest to to start translating is the running game so i think that you hope you know and especially if they start struggling a little bit with trying to get their passing stuff going, then you're going to have to rely on the run game and you have a dynamic player in cook who can take the workload.
2: Okay. Let me read off the players after him in ADP uh, at the wide receiver position. So PPR league, are you going to take Keenan Allen or Michael Thomas over Dalvin cook?
0: Um, um, I'm, I'm like, I don't think so. It would be tough. It would depend on what I did with my first pick, obviously.
2: the um, running back.
0: Yeah, if I if I if I had grabbed a, a wide receiver, I'm definitely grabbing the running back. But yeah, I'd probably I'd probably take I'd probably take the, the cook. But it, okay, I don't know. Yeah, probably.
2: You guys are higher on Cook than I am. Then end the day, I like the receivers right around where Dalvin Cook's going a lot more. Michael Thomas, uh Keenan Allen, AJ Green's even going much later, uh, Mike Evans.
0: But what if you but what if you got what if you took Antonio or OBJ or in the first round?
2: Yeah, Dal- Dalvin's usually gone by the time you know your pick comes around with Antonio. I mean OBJ. Uh I, I think I just prefer another running back over him as well.
0: Okay, uh, I've got him at fifteen. Oh, stag party, you're holding out on, on our listeners. I could tell right there. You got a little uh, like, oh, wait, there's another guy I like better, but you guys are in my league, so I, which we're not. Uh, uh, I mean,
2: <laughs> we're gonna go through the rest of the running backs and you know, guys. I have higher than Dalvin Cook, Devonta Freeman. I like more Jordan Howard, uh, Christian McCaffrey in PPR leagues. Jarek McKinnon.
0: Let's go to Howard. Let's go to Howard. He's the next guy. Um, running back 12. Uh, I'm super fired up on him. Uh, Tariq Cohen doesn't scare me all that much. I like the progression of the whole team. Al- adding Allen Robinson, adding Gabriel, adding Anthony Miller at the wide receiver. And still I'm holding faith and I hold my breath but I'm holding faith that Kevin White can still do something uh, to help him prolong his career. Maybe he, this is the year, but that. Offensive team, even with Burton at, at, at tight end, is just it's it's light years above what it was a year ago. Jordan Howard, we know his shortcomings. Passing game, he stinks at pa- that. He stinks catching the ball. Then just run him, and and just run when he's in the game. Just run him or set him up for uh, you know play action. Um, that's my thought on him. I think Jordan Howard's going to have a pretty sweet team on a, on a a pretty sweet season on an offense and on a team that I'm, I'm expecting that I'm expecting Trubisky to make a, a nice step. Uh, let's say in the top 17, 15 quarterback zone, um, but a nice step for the team, a lot of talent, uh, the offensive line upgraded that um, we, we should have a top five offensive line. I'm down with Jordan Howard. I don't care what your, all the news before the draft that we're trying to unload him. He's going to have a good season, dude. He's been lighting it up for, I think, three years now.
1: I'll tell you that Jordan Howard is probably going to be one of the best values uh, on draft day for, for everybody out there. You know, let everybody think that, that, uh, Negi is not going to to be running the ball with Jordan Howard. He's still a dynamic, amazing running back. Tariq Cohen is not a guy that you can give the ball to and run in the, uh, up the middle and run in the A gap. You can't do it. So and they're going to find ways, and this is when you have a creative, offensive-minded uh, 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 coach, that you're going to have Cohen and Howard on the field at the same time, and Howard is still going to get his due. And he's still going to be the guy that you're going to trust when you're in the red zone, and you need to hammer the ball in there. And, and on top of that, that he's got a strength of schedule that's the second best for running backs so you know it's interesting when we talk about dalvin cook who is 11 jordan howard and then the next guy when we'll get to him would be devonta freeman these three guys i think are like the ultimate value of of the draft whether you want to go running back running back and you can grab one of these guys as your number two or if you wanted to go wide receiver and you're able to come back and get one of these three guys as your number one running back you're going to be set up pretty well uh and uh and you're right, though. I think the Bears' offense is going to be much improved, and that only helps uh, a, a Jordan Howard. And the Bears' defense is also going to be much improved with what they've done. So uh, all of these things just play right into the, into the hands. Let everyone think that uh, Tariq Cohen takes everything and Howard disappears, and you get yourself just a steal in the second round with Jordan Howard.
0: Before
2: Jordan you,
1: Howard. you before fucking going. homers. Before
0: you Whatever. before you get into your closeout, the one last thing I want to say, and I know you, you you're not a big Howard guy, you weren't last year. Um, he did better than he thought he would last year. Um, no, I didn't. But here's one thing I'll say, and then you close you close it out. And we'll go to the next dude. Is Dude, now that guy had like eight, nine in the box against him because our sh- team was so terrible last year and our we- weaponry at offense. We had Bell Bibb and DeVoe, uh, were our wide receivers last year. Um, it was just god awful. Uh, he was able to get shit done another 1,000-yard season, another top five. But man, I don't know. I'm not looking at stats. I don't know what he was, but
2: he was a top He was one. RB10 in standard leagues.
0: Yeah, okay. And he was in standard. He was what? RB10. Okay, 10. I'm looking at 10, too. Yep. Um, then now, now they've got to worry about actually receivers, and now they've got to worry about Trubisky with – with a Aggie, they got to worry about the shit. I think it helps Jordan Howard. I think going back to a lot of things we talked earlier with Ingram and uh, and um, Kamara, I think the more successful Tariq Cohen is, the better it is for Jordan. Um, so that, that's my thought. Uh, bring us home. And then when you're sick of talking about Jordan Howard and us fucking homers, um, dive into the next dude uh, who is uh, Devon Freeman.
2: So Jordan Howard faced stack boxes on 5.8% of his carries. He mostly ran against base fronts, uh, so you know, regular seven-man boxes. He averaged 4.0 yards per carry against those. He did really struggle against stack boxes. Uh, hopefully, you know, running more out of the shotgun with Trubisky's athleticism will help him there. But the only way to really see Howard ascending in like you know, surpassing value of where he's at is he needs to score 12 to 15 touchdowns. Cause he's going to add about let, let's call it 20 fantasy points as a receiver. Maybe he goes for 140 yards and a touchdown, or he catches 20, uh, 200 yards worth of receiving. And then, you know, the rest is all on his rushing game. So that's more of a, an RB two, than it is in an RV one. And then when you look in, you know, PPR scoring, if you move to that format, you know, he gets knocked down, you know, a big percentage because this guy just doesn't do anything in the passing game. You hope that, you know, a new coaching staff working with him can help, but you know, we were, we were sold a bill of goods last year about how LASIK was going to help it. We, you know what else is? So, You know, the good things that are going for him are he should see more clean looks and more clean looks in the red zone. But this is a team that also has to spread the ball around a little bit more. Think about all the weapons they have on the outside that they now have to keep happy that they didn't have before and that they would just feed Jordan Howard. So, you know, is he going to be a 1,200-yard rusher? Uh, you know, I think that's in the ra- range of possibilities, but unless he's getting up to, you know, 15 or 1,600 yards rushing and, you know, catching 25 to 30 passes and putting up like a Zeke-like season, 12 to, you know, 14 rush touchdowns, it, it's hard to see him taking another step forward in terms of fantasy scoring where where I haven't, where Houdini says he's a value, I think he's more of stagnant you get what you get. Yeah, like, he should return, you know, equal value, but it's hard to see him entering the upper echelon or, you know, jumping a tier or two. All right.
1: Well, let me just say one thing and then we'll go to Devonta Freeman. This is going to be a whole new offense. This is going to look completely different. <laughs> you're going to have a lot more weaponry. Yeah. You're throwing the ball around a lot more. What is the one thing that we always talk about in, in fantasy when you're picking players, power in numbers, man, when offenses are good points are there for everybody this is going to be a better offense. This was a John Fox crap offense last year. This is not what it's going to be anymore. It's going to be a lot more unique. There's going to be a lot of different things where the defense is going to be caught getting misdirections and and Jordan Howard is going to be running free. You wait and see. It'll be a value.
2: The best players in John Fox offenses were always running backs. John Fox's offenses are old and he's done. Okay. So we're taking away the guy he helped the most. Jonathan you Stewart.
1: I'm, I, I, what, what am I? To, oh, Jonathan Stewart was it? Was he was he coaching him? Big. I mean, come on. Ant- Josh Ant- Ant- Fox Ant- is Ant- old school. Matt Nagy is completely new school. The the two coaching philosophies couldn't be more diametrically opposed.
2: He, I absolutely We're agree. We're you. moving on. We're moving on. Um, Devonta Freeman. Devonta, Devon, Devon. you go for so it.
0: Freeman, hey,
2: Freeman finished as the 13th running back in PPR scoring last year, despite playing in just 14 games, playing a little bit banged up in others. Uh, And, you know, this is also a team that went through a coaching change going from Kyle Shanahan to Steve Sarkeesian. And one of the things he really took away was passing to the running backs. And he he caught just 36 passes, which is his low since his rookie year. He had 73 and 54 below uh, the years before that. Uh, You know, Sark's got to learn from what he did wrong last year and correct that mistake, throw the ball to guys like Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman out of the backfield on early downs, let Matt Ryan take shots, uh, and, you know, attack the defense early on first and second down rather than trying to get to third down and having Devonta Freeman convert. But, you know, the offense is set up to score points again. They are very good on a per drive basis, moving the football. Um, and he should be a guy who's in the 1300 total yard range with, you know, some touchdown upside. This is a guy who scored 13 and 14 touchdowns in two previous years, despite falling to eight last year. He's and Tevin Coleman, we know what the roles are. They're very, very defined. Uh, and I think that's something that's going to continue.
1: Yeah, well, I think th- this is a bounce-back year for for Freeman. And it's going to be, you know, again, second year in the offense. Sark's got to get it together. Uh, I think that the, the pressure's on him. I mean, he knows it. That's all that people have been talking about is how much they dropped in uh, points per game from – uh, from being under Shanahan and then switching to him, so uh, they have the weaponry, they have all the uh, the tools there. You added uh, Calvin Ridley uh, in the off season, so why why shouldn't you expect that Freeman is going to 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 go back to kind of what he is? And it's like I don't expect him to be all of a sudden different than what he was the two previous years in fifteen and sixteen, but be that guy, be that close to eleven hundred yards uh, rushing, uh, be a guy who's getting me five. Five hundred, you know, five hundred uh, yards receiving, and give me ten touchdowns. And again, it's it's a nice, steady uh, value, and especially in PPR, you know, he should be a guy that should at least give you fifty catches, you know, um, you know, if, if all things are going right.
0: This is uh, for me. This I, I'll move on, and let's go into a little bit of speed round here. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think Devontae Freeman should be a good one. Um, I, I want to look at my tears and I'll pull a stag and say, I- I'm not going to mention what happened on this podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Hey, I-, I know if you want to do a speed run here, but before we do a speed round, I think we should take a break and listen to our sponsors.
0: Nice. I just did some speed. So <laughs> <I should laughs> really fast. Um, but yeah, let's let's do a little speed round. I think these are also, you know, a lot of great. These are this is the core. So let's not go too crazy, but let's catch up a little bit because in prime fashion, um, that just means we've done our third ad. That means that we're an hour and a half into the show, and we are at running back thirteen. So let's well, go.
1: Let me let me say this though before we we do it. I think this is a good point where it happens because I think at this point is where I don't feel you have those guys that you, if you have to start them as your running back one, at least the guys that we've gone through before, I, you can make a legitimate argument that, okay, when I went wide receiver and I came back, this is what I got. If you're going wide receiver, wide receiver, this is what you're going to be choosing from. And um okay, let's do it.
0: Yeah. I think it's important though. This is the stuff that really matters. These are the guys, like, I think from, from this point on until how deep we get in on the show, like, Everyone knows that they want Hunt, uh, Fournette, and Barkley. These guys are going to actually be uh, needle changers. So um, let's go fast, but let's let's not skip over it. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, stag party. You are, you're a big fan. It seems like people are um, are. Uh, I don't know. It seems like people already think uh, Scott Barrett thinks that he's primed for an enormous season this year.
2: I mean, the reason you think that is because of, like, weighted touches. This is a guy who's most effective as a receiver, caught 80 passes last year. You look at his attempts, you know, 117 attempts, like, that's less than Alvin Kamara. So, people are thinking those are going to come up, too. And, you know, after a slow start to the season where he really struggled to get going on the ground – Uh, He had a point in the season where that changed. He was picking up four and five yards, uh, a carry on a game-to-game basis. So, you know, coming together with the offense, you know, signing C.J. Anderson uh, instead of Jonathan Stewart, and it definitely looks like they've committed to Christian McCaffrey as their first option out of the backfield. Uh, And then if you play in any kind of PPR league, you know, he finished 10th last year but he has such, you know, sort of room to ascend because he, he only scored seven touchdowns. And when you compare him to Alvin Kamara, what, what are the differences? What they did on a per-touch basis and how often they scored touchdowns. So if I can get discount Alvin Kamara in the second round, why the fuck wouldn't I, knowing that, you know, McCaffrey's likely to be on the upswing and Alvin Kamara's likely to be on a downswing? Do I, do I look like a fucking
0: idiot? I'm gonna tell you right now, I think discount Alvin Kamara um, needs to be a strain of weed next time I go to California or Colorado or Vegas or Canada. That just sounds like a strain of weed, doesn't it, Houdini? Discount,
1: hey You don't wanna call anything you don't, you don't wanna call anything discount. <laughs> Good point.
0: Uh, Hats off to you Canadians, second uh, country worldwide after, what, not Uruguay, Norway, I forget, Uruguay maybe, Um, to make marijuana legal as a country. Um, That happened today. That's pretty incredible. It'll probably uh, depict a lot of stuff we do moving forward for America um, and be kind of a a standard for what we do because... if you don't like marijuana, that's fine, but it's going to be legal here pretty soon. Take the money and run. Yeah, tax that shit. Um, all right, I'm I'm not going to add anything during the speed round other than stupid marijuana interjections. Sorry.
2: The problem with Christian McCaffrey, though, real quick, is he does have you know a pretty big sort of um, ADP already. Like he's going higher than a lot of these guys that we're talking about. Um Christian McCaffrey's currently the seventeenth overall player. He's going in the second round. He's going, you know, four picks ahead of Devonta Freeman, uh, six picks ahead of Jarek McKinnon, and seven picks uh ahead of Joe Mixon, who are the guys like in this tier with him. So wow. he's sort of ascended into the second round pretty solidly, and you're not really gonna be able to get him in the third. Uh Especially if it's you know PPR.
0: Quick question uh, McCaffrey or Mixon for you, Stag Party? McCaffrey, uh, Jordan Howard or McCaffrey?
2: Uh, McCaffrey,
0: Dalvin Cook, McCaffrey, McCaffrey. Ooh, I, I set that one up, I like it. I thought I was gonna get that. Good man. Um, yeah, no, McCaffrey, there's no question about it, he, he's he's a hot commodity. Um <sighs> risky risky in my opinion you got that right. guy second round and if he's your second running back great but no there's just other guys I, I think I'm I even think like a Kenyan Drake I'd roll the dice on him over McCaffrey just I don't know why maybe <laughs> I know it's crazy I'm just throwing it out there I just think maybe CJ well here's a question I got and then let's end it and move on to the next guy you said that it seems like they're committed to make Christian McCaffrey the number one guy they want out of the backfield. Are you not? Are you not worried that CJ is going to be first? Uh, you know, first and second down back. You you feel like it's still just like the McCaffrey deal.
2: I'm. I have CJ Anderson the highest of everyone. Uh, so, but you look at the number of carries they gave to. A busted down Jonathan Stewart last season. They gave him nearly 200 carries in 15 games. That leaves room to give 200 carries to CJ Anderson and still give Christian McCaffrey, you know, a little bit more than he had last year. Is he going to be one of these 200 carry guys? I don't know. I'd probably cap him at 185, but. I think it's more likely that he has a, a ten carry per game role and still excels as you know the receiver. So you know, just those two things together give me you know some upside. And then with his scoring, uh, you know, ability that they started to showcase more and more as the season went on, and you know, started running some trick plays uh, and getting him involved and running shovel passes to him. All those things give me upside going forward.
0: We've been great at this speed round. I was going to (laughs) say. Eric McKinnon, running back 15, Houdini.
1: I'm not going to say a word. All right. Well, here's the thing. You, you, you can say a word uh, if anyone wants to defend it afterward. I I have him as my 19th running back. I'm I don't know what what everyone is expecting to get out of Jarek McKinnon, and and is you know uh, I was really high on him as a rookie. We we loved this guy uh, and everything that he was able to do. He's had a, over a, he's had 150 and 159 carries the past two seasons, averaging 3.8 and 3.4 yards per carry. Uh, he's Averaging uh, 6.9 yards per reception career-wise. He had 51 catches for uh, 421 yards last year. Five touchdowns. So I'm not – is a guy at 5'9 and 200 and whatever, five pounds, a guy that you're going to project to get 225 carries and all of a sudden be the, be the guy? Look, he was the guy with everybody always – Adrian Peterson and Dalvin Cook and all these guys have all been hurt in front of him. And so he's been having the chance to be the guy – It's not that impressive of numbers. So, uh, and then you add on top of that, that he's got a strength to schedule this year, which is uh, the hardest in the league. So um, I'm not sold.
2: What I'm I'm expecting about Jarek McKinnon is he's going to an offense with a defined role for a coach who has, you know, ascended running backs throughout his career as an offensive coordinator, you know, put Carlos Hyde, you know up is one of the top 10 to 15 running backs last year when he was healthy and active. So, you know, with his receiving game and mismatchability, he's going to be, you know, great in that role and then we know that he should, you know, see around 200 to maybe 250 carries at the top level. This is a guy that is big and strong and fast and with an offensive coordinator that will run him correctly get him out on the edges you know use what he's good at and take away the things he's bad at jarek mckinnon is an awful in between the tackle runner you know what you do to counteract that you don't ask him to do it like it's not that hard this guy get him on the edges he's electric he can make things happen in the open field kyle shanahan has the ability to create mismatches with his running backs and he will do that with jarek mckinnon Okay, hold on, hold on. Who else, who else is going to take carries here? Is it going to be Matt Breida or, you know, the the chosen one pounding the table, Joe Williams? Someone's going to
1: have to get carries because you're going to kill him at 250. He's had 474 carries in his
2: career in four years. That's That doesn't mean anything. It just means, because he, it, ha- it, just it, because he it, hasn't done it before doesn't mean he
1: can't. Okay. All right, five nine two zero five. Let's see him take the beating in that division uh, for two hundred and fifty carries. It, it you're, you're not going to be happy. I think
0: it works both ways. We we, we remember how much we liked him out of uh, out of college when he was. That's like, what I
1: said. I loved him. Quarterback
0: and a running back hybrid. He's he might not be the tallest guy, but he's still pretty sturdy. I I'm loving him for all the reasons that's, uh, that were mentioned by Stags. But the most important thing that I think he left out is. Shanahan went and seeked this guy out. He looked at games, he played against him and he's like, whoa, this is kind of like Devontae Freeman. Take, take it lightly meets Tevin Coleman. And one guy um, got the strength, got the speed can catch. Like he's, he's a mitch, mismatch. If any, uh, 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 anyone in, in, at the position um, and Shanahan really liked him to the point where he let Hyde go. Uh, it might my opinion, I think they should have, for how much, how cheap uh, he was able to get, be had for the Browns, I think the 49ers should have kept Hyde and then still gone after McKinnon. Um, but I like that he seeked out McKinnon. This is his new, uh, this next frontier for him with the Niners, Jimmy G. Um, if, I know you're worried, but if he can take that workload, dude, it's pretty much one of the best situations. For any running back there that you can still be getting, and so many people are kind of like, "eh, eh." I'll roll my dice with that guy in the early third round any day of the week, and if he blows up my face, that's fine. But he could be, a, he could be easily a top, top five running back next year.
2: Wow.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Joe Mixon. So Joe Mixon is sort of the anti, you know, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, you know, he's got a bad offensive line in front of him. The coaching staff is, is sort of questionable after what they did last year. Running the fewest plays, you know, over the last five years, uh, but they did commit to him uh, as being the top back. They let Jeremy Hill, you know, walk, which is something we all thought would happen anyways. They did start to mix in Gio Bernard late last season, but the carries and reception totals of his should be high. The problem is the efficiency that comes along with that, probably playing in a below average offense with below average offensive line play, uh, you know, sort of caps his upside. But if you want a guy who you know is getting 18 to 20 touches a week and you're picking in the early third round, that's what you're doing. You're drafting you know, volume and opportunity rather than drafting what he's going to do with that. Uh, so depending on how your draft starts, if you need a guy who you know is getting work and you can't gamble on, you know, some of the guys who get drafted after him, like maybe a Kenyon Drake, who's in a bit of a murky situation, or like a Derek Henry, um, Jai J- J- type. If you can't have that sort of risk profile on your team, Joe Mixon's a good guy to grab in the early third.
0: Yep. Um, I agree. He's, he's moving up, seems to be moving up on everyone. So our radar should be interesting. I don't know that, that team should be interesting, but he's a good player Uh, running back 17, Derek Henry. You just kind of alluded to him. Uh, I'm personally going to have to take him as my keeper in one league. Um, kind of mixed reviews because stag party, you're scaring me into how much you think they're going to use Dion Lewis. And even when I read, it sounds like it's going to be a, 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 a yin and yang. So what are your thoughts, Deanie, on Henry? Like in the day?
1: Well, I, I think that you like him a lot more in a standard league than you don't, you don't really like him at all in a PPR league, because that's exactly where he's not going to do anything in two seasons. He's had 24 receptions. So, um, you, you look at the fact that, is he going to get 250 carries? Because that's what he needs. He had 176 last year. You know, he's he's proven that he's a rough and tumble guy. He had the big game in the in the, in the playoffs. Um, Deion Lewis is going to be that foil, though. Whenever they're going to be, if they're ever in a third and, uh, and four or five – He's not going to be in the game, so I think that limits the amount of touches. Also, I, I don't think that they have a very favorable schedule this year, and I think that that that's going to also not play into Derrick Henry's plans uh, for for success. So I, I am concerned there. It's just I, he, he's at this point and at this part of where you're drafting a very one-dimensional player.
2: Do yeah. Something that- He's like Jordan Howard minus 50 carries, right? Like you can easily project Jordan Howard for 300, you know, 280 carries, whatever you're projecting him. I'd take three or four carries off Jordan Howard. And then you got like Derrick Henry. He's just not a guy who's going to, you know, uh, tip my scales in PPR leagues. He seems to be going earlier, uh, than I would like to take him in drafts, uh, you know, Derrick Henry currently has an ADP of let's see 36, so he's going at the end of the third round. Um it, it's just a little rich for my blood, and he's been a guy who's been a faller since the draft. Uh you know, after they added sort of Dion Lewis, it's been a slow, gradual downturn for Derrick Henry. I just don't like the price, man. Like at that point, I'm more likely to take a wide receiver in the third round than I am to take Derrick Henry.
1: Agreed. This is this is the part where I have like those. I want to have running backs before this because I don't like this section of about seven running backs.
2: Derrick- yeah, I, I got I got to that point when we hit Derrick Henry. Uh I was fine with the tier of McCaffrey, Jarek McKinnon, and Joe Mixon. I yeah, like for- that tier.
1: Yeah, it 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 dies down for me. I, I mix. I'm not as high. on am mixing.
0: Okay. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, one thing I will say from
2: You're the, at the same out. rank.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one thing I say about the playoff strength of schedule for um uh, Derek Henry and uh, just take a look at this just for shits and giggles. I agree. He's not worth the end of the third round pick. I don't think he's even close to uh, even anywhere really near that, but he's got a uh, second best strength schedule during the playoffs. So if your team can make it there, he's got a favorable uh, couple of matchups. When, uh, so uh, Kenny Drake running back 18. I'm not going to say anything other than the fact that maybe it's fool's gold. Maybe I'm going to fuck this up again. Cause I loved Jay's on Miami last year. Um, but I, I like this guy. Eye test, watching him play. Once they got rid of Ajay, even before then, when they realized they had something better than Ajay. This Drake guy, is he, he, he passes the eye test with me with flying friggin' colors, dude. I feel like he he looks really good. I haven't seen a running back look this good since uh, Ace Ventura jumped on his back in Ernest Byer's Beiner Byer, and uh, chloroformed him. Kevin Biner. I fucked his name
1: up. I no, er- it. Ernest Biner and Kevin Mack. They, they were in the same backfield.
0: Biner is who I was talking about. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go. <laughs> I got fired. I started thinking about Ace Ventura there.
2: So, so Drake has a higher ADP than Derek McKinnon uh, than Derek Henry by one spot. At the third round, I I'm just drafting wide receivers. I'm going to tell you this all day. Like I'd much rather have a guy, the the five or six guys going ahead of them than being drafting my first running back or even second running back in And Kenyon Drake. I'd much rather take those wide receivers at that point, maybe even dip into the Zach Ertz uh, tight end category over Drake. I you know when these guys have stretches of dominance and then come into situations where it's a little bit murky. They bring in a veteran. They bring in a rookie. Uh, they bring in Frank Gore and Kayleen Bellage, Uh, And that just gives them options. And at the point, you know, Drake was really ascending last season. There just weren't any other options for them to put out on the field. So, you know, I, was Drake just the only body there? Or was he really good? But You know, he he shows well in some statistics, but it's just not a guy whose risk profile I like drafting. Um, You know, I I like a little bit more, uh, you know, data and season-long viability and usage for a guy I'm going to pound the table for and draft in the third round.
1: Yeah, Ellen. Pounded on the table with you on Saturday, Stags. What do you got, Houdini? I was just going to say, I didn't realize you were going on the Ace Ventura thing. Keith Byers. Byers, Keith Byers. I knew I started it out, and then I started fucking it up. Thank you. Um,
0: chloroform, good times. Let's <laughs> go on. Do you want? Do you have anything to say on Drake? I say we move on. I'm moving on. Uh, running back 19, Alex Collins, Baltimore. Um, another situation that uh, kind of came out of nowhere. They signed him off of the Seattle Seahawks practice squad, right? Um, or...
2: I think he actually got released before yeah, the season
0: he started. He started in Seattle in the practice squad, but again, this is a guy that I picked up. I think uh, based on a Houdini pickups piece where you are saying this is the guy. All of a sudden, look what's happening around here. Um, I picked him up, and sadly enough, he was one. He was my RB two for my, like my last eight or nine weeks of the season.
2: No, nah, it's yeah. pretty good.
1: Then he started – because he didn't score any touchdowns until the, his ninth game. I think it was uh, week 10, I think. Uh, week 11. Uh, week 11. So, and he scored six touchdowns on the year. Uh, he ended up having – you know, we talked about these guys that have 100-yard rushing games. He had 200-yard rushing games last year. Um, you know, and they he only had 212 carries, just shy of 1,000 yards, 973. You – you're looking at who's there to really compete with him there's there's not much they're giving him the absolute opportunity and look he's he's a hammer type of a guy he averaged 4.6 yards carry uh i don't think that you're going to expect him to ascend to to any crazy lofty levels because he's also not very not not a dynamic receiver he can catch a couple balls but he's he's just you know he caught 23 for 187 last year so it's not Not a major part of his game, but maybe he adds that and he gives you 40 receptions. That'd be really nice. Probably closer to maybe like 35, but he expected to get 250 carries and to get that workload. He could be an eight, nine touchdown guy.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think he's like, if you just write him into a projection, you're going to come out with a pretty high number Um, just based off of what the other guys in the backfield do well, Javorius Allen and you know Kenneth Dixon who's returning from suspension, you're both you're more likely to write those guys in as receivers role, change of pace role. But if you write in, you know, Alex Collins for 250 or so carries and you give him 30 or so receptions, he's probably gonna score, you know, a good amount of fantasy points and provide that sort of weekly floor as an RB2. That you know what you're gonna get. Uh it might not be sexy all the time. He might not put up, you know, huge games, but he's got that weekly consistency that you look for.
0: Completely agree. Uh are you worried about the Mark Thomas guy at all? I mean, I'm looking at the projections a little bit from the draft kit. Um, it looks like there's kind of a shmorgasborg of guys, and Dixon's back, like you said, um, Mark Andrews and then you got scraps. You don't, you don't even have, uh, for probably good reason, uh, Javora There's. They kind of got a lot of running backs. Is that something to be worried about?
2: I mean, I, I think he's more of a guy who asserted himself. And, you know, the the other guys are, are sort of complementary pieces. Uh, so that's just how I view the players, I guess.
0: And I kind of agree. Again, I test and then I've got nothing else to say about him. This guy runs hard. Look this wasn't a guy that got drafted even at all, I don't think. I think he's a practice squad guy, uh getting everything that, that um earning everything he's getting. He's
2: a and fifth pre- round pick. What was that? He's a fifth round pick. Fifth rounder.
0: But but a practice guy for ages or uh, for too long yeah. or whatever. But this guy he's a he's a he's a pale, he's a hard worker. He's a
1: pale. He's a, he's a know. <laughs> he's, a, he's a bring your lunch to work in a pale type of a guy. <laughs> he's a pale guy. He's a pale guy.
0: Yeah, he's, he's not very dark for a black man. Um, <laughs> all right, Fuck. I like the fucking guy. Let's move on to uh, woo. It's the highest, uh, second highest rookie. We got Rashad Penny at running back twenty from Seattle. People are like also
2: it. the second highest rookie draft pick. He's the first round draft pick for a oh, team I'm, I'm whose like, offensive. I, you got the perfect setting. I'm not knocking on it. Who's offensive coordinator says we want to run the football when they expect us to run. So, you know, you look at it, and you and you know everything you read about their OTAs are. You know, Chris Carson and CJ Procyse both look great but C.J. sizes look great in multiple training camps. Chris Carson, you know, is another undrafted guy uh, who, you know, showed flashes, was was their best running back last year. But that's not really saying much uh, when you consider the, the landscape of the Seattle running backs. But, you know, Carson could be a guy who eats in a little bit more than we expect, Um But right now, he looks locked into a workload. And this guy is a pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, That's a good sign. Um, So there's not many warts. The warts have to do with his ability as a pass blocker and then the offensive line. So besides that, though, he looks locked into a big workload. And it could be even bigger than... Can we even expect
1: yeah look look the the Seahawks have been looking for someone since Marshawn Lynch right uh they just had from Christine Michael to Thomas Rawls from uh Carson and their pro sites it's just been a, a constant revolving door at running back so it, you don't go up and spend up on a guy like this if you don't expect him to be able to take that responsibility and take that lead role on so uh I roll on I I like I like Penny but uh uh, I think this is going uh, to be, could be a, a stellar, stellar uh, pick. You know, this is after those guys that we mentioned before, this is where I start liking the running backs again.
0: <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I think he starts moving up big time too. I think people see people that I respect seem to be kind of high on this guy. Um, and just when you, when you kind of project it and think about it in that setting with that team, it seems kind of perfect. So Rashad Penny, I bet you his stock starts – he's a guy that's going to continually rise and ADP is going to rise. Uh, in the
2: middle of the fourth round right now in MFL 10s, uh, overall player 40. Since April or since March, which you could find in the draft kit, a moving ADP list, he has gone from pick 102 up to pick 39 uh, in average draft position.
0: There you go. Um, he, he's gonna he's gonna be a guy that, especially with all the success of certain rookies, Kamara, Elliott, whatever. He's gonna be a guy that, by the time you're drafting, um, close to the beginning of the season, he's gonna be pretty fucking high. Uh, not saying that's a bad pick. It could be. I feel the same way about him as the, the dude I mentioned earlier. He could he could be a top five ten running back. No question about it. Um, all right. Let's move on to the next guy, and that's going to be Jay Ajay. I'm off of this one. I got burned last year. No Ajay for this
1: guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ajay for you, Stags. I, I'm I'm not an Ajay guy either.
2: Uh, I, I'm a little bit lower. I think Houdini's is the highest at 18. Uh, I- <laughs> reports are. Reports are he's going to be the number one, you know, running back entering camp. But with Peterson, I just feel like they're going to use a bunch of different running backs. Um, and he's never going to have a giant workload unless they're killing the clock. But I could see him, you know, having more of a workload than he did last year when he joined the team. You know, now that he knows the offense, he was really limited on carries, uh, you know, and things he was able to do in the past game you know, not knowing the offense as much you'd like. But I think he's a back-end RB, two with maybe a little bit of upside if they need to ride him. But, you know, guys like Corey Clement and Darren Sproles, they both look like threats to his receiving workload. So it seems tough to, you know, project over 30 uh, receptions for the guy. Um, But I, I could see him, you know, being much more involved in the red zone, being that hammer, Scoring closer to eight touchdowns like he did in 2016. Uh, And, you know, 220 to 230 carries isn't out of the realm of possibility.
1: Yeah, yeah, I look at it that figure him to be more what he was really in, you know, five of his last six games, including the playoffs, not – and if you take out the Super Bowl where he only had nine carries, he was getting 18, 15, 14, 12, 15. Figure him to be close to a 15-carry-a-game guy who's going to maybe give you, uh, you know, two, maybe three receptions if you're lucky. So he's, I agree he's not really going to do much in the receiving game. But remember back to what he was. I mean, he's a guy that can break out big-time plays. And I agree that his touchdown mark should go up, especially now that he has uh, more of of a, a, a understanding of what his role is in the offense and having learned the offense. So, um. Does anybody else have anything on uh, on Ajay? Wow! So, on. Let's All right, go so so before we go before we go to the next guy, we uh, we've come up to another break. So we're really going to do a speed round when we come <laughs> back from this break. So listen to this.
0: Speed round! Ding 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 ding! Lamar Miller, running back, twenty two. No.
2: I mean, okay. if you want safe, projectable volume, uh, you could do a lot worse than Lamar Miller. You know, with Deshaun Watson, you look at his splits when he played. You know, his rushing productivity was way up. His touchdowns looked better. Uh, you know, with Deshaun Watson in games, he he's been good as a receiver. Uh, I still think he's got room to do a little bit more there. Donta Foreman is coming off an Achilles injury you know, could be a candidate for the pup list. And then you're looking at a guy like Alfred Blue, who who did start to steal some work late in the year, but isn't a special player. He looks locked into, you know, a pretty safe workload with some upside because of what he did with Watson. He's just not going to be a guy who scores double-digit touchdowns or, you know, really sets the world on fire with rushing games. It's going to be more of... 80 total yards and maybe a touchdown. I just, look at, our... yeah, I, I
1: just look at Miller and I say, I don't see a guy who's ascending anymore. Uh, and so that that's why I agree. I, I think that's what his workload is and that's what his production will be. Uh, I've had it before. It's it's pretty infuriating to to get your seven points, six points. So. And, yeah.
0: before, and before uh, Deonta Foreman went down, I mean, I test again. Just productivity. There was a little bit of um, there was a crescendo happening there, where it was all of a sudden Lamar Miller was garbage, and then Foreman. I think he what broke his ankle on like a touchdown well,
2: celebration. Corn Achilles. Scores
0: Achilles after he scores a touchdown, doing a Dion high step or something like that.
2: One of so, the absolute worst injuries you could have. Yeah. Okay. Like I agree. Don't return from that the next year in a good fashion. That's the part that gives Lamar Miller, uh, you know, if they thought they were done with Lamar Miller, they would have cut him this off season and saved the cash.
0: Agreed. You, you know what you're talking about. Um, all right, let's go to the next guy. Had, we've had enough of Lamar Miller. This is going to be his, uh Houdini, Mark Ingram.
1: Well, I like Mark Ingram. But what's his uh, next. tell me what his ADP is. Uh, if you can look that up for me, because, uh, with him missing these first four games, he falls back. So depending on, uh, uh, you know, your situation and how you draft, if, if he's going in like – is it the fourth or fifth round? Uh,
2: I think he's going in the fourth round. Sorry. I got too many tabs open. That's okay. Uh, keep talking. but Yeah. So,
1: uh, so... <laughs> So if you figure that he's going in the in the fourth round, but if you add your two running backs and you grabbed your wide receiver and you're saying, okay, uh, the the Ertz is in the top tight ends are gone, I'm gonna I'm gonna invest here in Mark Ingram. It's a great it's a great move uh, because here he's gonna come back. He's gonna be fresh after four weeks. Camaro's gonna have had a heavier workload and he's gonna need to have some things pulled back from him. So uh, you, you put it back into having that offense do what it was originally supposed to do from the beginning of the year. Uh, Ingram will be one of those guys. I love fresh legs when they come in and especially fresh, angry legs, which is what uh, Ingram will have. And as long as they, the team and and Peyton embrace him when he comes back, uh, that's a nice pickup.
2: Yeah. Mark Ingram is the 38th player overall currently in MFL 10s. He fell from a 20 ADP in March down to a 38.6 in June, um, you, you know, you prorate what he did last year and put it on a per-game basis. Oh, Mark Ingram li- liked my treat last week, by the way. So Love that. that was- Love uh, he- Mark Ingram is one of the only guys who's been able to sustain a five yards per touch uh, basis over multiple seasons. So when he gets the ball, you know, he moves it you know he's good as a receiver. He could score touchdowns. He should be in a prolific offense. So you know, depending on how the makeup of your team is, if you can sustain those first four weeks, he can come in and provide you a big boom.
0: Yeah, and here's the one thing I'll say: Mark Ingram, and even with this, even as great as he was last year, he drove Adrian Peterson out of town in a minute, uh, and he's been a slow starter in in previous seasons. But uh, Ingram is. Gonna slide. He always is drafted lower than he should. This is going on for the last four years. We can always get Ingram because PPR guys are scared of it. Now you got Kamara, that's going to drive him down. You got the suspension, that's going to drive him down. Be the guy that gets that value in Ingram this year because, like Stagg said, when he comes back week five, it's going to be, and like Houdini said, they're going to be like, all right, we got to rest this. uh, We got to rest Kamara let's Let's see what we got here with this angry dude uh, in Ingram, and I, I just think Ingram is is a solid, solid pick. He's always underrated.
2: Now we have the second guy uh, on a backfield, sort of like Mark Ingram is the second guy drafted off of his backfield. We've got Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman's just sort of solid. A thousand total yards between his rushing and receiving work should be expected. Um, you know, he's going to score, you know, s- six to eight touchdowns on the season. He provides a little bit of upside. Uh, and then he secretly, you know, Tim Coleman's going to be a uh, free agent after the season. If you could draft him in the fourth or the fifth round as your keeper for next year. It could be something where he's the next Jarek McKinnon. Everybody's hot off the presses for him next year, and you're getting that value that way. But you could slot him into a flex or an RB2 role and sort of know what you're going to get. And you just got to sort of trust Sarkeesian to learn what he did wrong last year and sort of improve. But even then, he's going to catch 30 passes, you know, maybe he even adds a little bit more uh, going forward, but he's just going to be solid, if unspectacular.
1: spectacular. I agree. Should we move to the next one? Yes. Sony Michelle. So we we've talked about him in our in our rookie podcast. Um, you know, I I really like what he's going to be able to do. If you look and see, saw how effective Dion Lewis was. We know that Stags is uh, worried about James White. Uh, I'm not worried about James White. They they spent up uh, and, and spent up to get Sonny Michelle. They have expectations for, for him to be a big part of that offense. Um, I, I think as well, though, he's a rookie. So one of the things that you do got to keep in mind, and especially because if he is going to be doing a lot more as a receiver, don't expect it to be uh, coming out the gates. So this could be one of those guys where his ADP may be higher than uh, – uh, that maybe it actually should be, or at least he may end up where his ADP is by the end of the year. But like Kamara, he's the guy that probably is not going to see as heavy an action until he gets about week four or five.
2: Yeah. I think we talked extensively about Sonny Michelle. Uh, the problem is just projecting the backfield for new England is always sort of a fruitless task. Uh, and one you know miss pass block or one fumble can really change you know how they treat things going forward
1: yeah the one point though is so the move i make is don't draft him wait for the other person to draft him and then try to get him in a trade when that person's upset after the first couple weeks
0: (laughs) are you able to pull considering how often you bring this up are you able to pull that
1: move off all that often Absolutely, depending on uh, what you're offering, you know, in, in redraft leagues now, not in my keeper leagues, that's pretty much not going to happen. Everyone, everyone yeah. gets invested in their rookies uh, in keeper leagues. Here's a question yeah. we have for you. Okay, Sony uh, Michelle on the um, Patriots,
0: do you take Tevin Coleman over him? Either of you? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. See, okay. I'm a risky guy, but no way I do that. Just on the upside that all of a sudden he's just tearing up the league where I know what I'm going to get from Tevin Coleman. Okay, you're going to take uh,
2: – yeah, yeah, But, but Tevin Coleman – Tevin Coleman is Devonta Freeman injury. Correct.
0: Yeah, I, I got it. And I, I, have, I have Tevin Coleman on my team all the time, and I like it. It turns out great. But it seems like maybe Sony Michel could be a win league, uh, a league winner type pick.
1: Well yeah. it's, I, I understand, but I, I agree with Stager. By, no by no means is it is it
0: likely, but if if it if it's cooking, it's a great place to be cooking. Um all right, let's uh should we go to the next guy, running back twenty-six, or anyone want to say anything else more on uh Panasonic? Move on. Dion.
2: Dion Lewis. I mean we sort of talked about Dion Lewis when we talked about Uh, Derek Henry, I expect them to be heavily involved on first and second downs. I think they're going to split a lot of work. And then when we look at third downs, he's probably going to be the preferred pass catching back uh, when they want to throw it and go hurry up, which is something that could happen a lot more often under Matt LaFleur than it did uh, previously. You know, I think Dion's going to be heavily involved. They signed him for a reason. They have sort of a role carved out. Uh, and, and I think he could be, you know, a bit of a value, you know, when you look at where he goes in drafts, uh, compared to where Derrick Henry's going.
0: Well, let's, I got nothing to say on, on these guys. I'm in, I'm in light speed. <laughs> <laughs> you light, you light speed it or you got anything? Go ahead.
1: It? No, no, go ahead. Light speed. I mean, the only thing that I would say is that I, I think that they did pick up my, uh, uh, Akron Wadley from uh, Iowa, who's who is a uh, Tevin Coleman uh, I'm sorry, not a Tevin Coleman, a, a Dion Lewis-ish type guy, a guy who can be a good receiver and runner, uh, but it's a developmental guy. So, uh, but I don't think Indeed. it's gonna, it doesn't affect it at all. I just threw it in there. I, go ahead. I had to throw my stop, eye stop in there.
2: Back. Don't bring <laughs> up Akron Wadley ever again, unless you... uh, watch what he gets. Touchdown, I'll bring him up. Like no, Akron Wadley is a bad NFL prospect. He was an undrafted free agent. I'm
1: not saying that he's a top NFL prospect. He was an undrafted free agent. I said, okay. you can, all right. And I said, just move on, Stags. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're moving on.
0: Darius Geese guys, whatever you Geis. want to say. Geis. All right, guys. Obviously, uh, teams uh, took issue with his personality in um, combine and pre-draft stuff. Dropped. Let's be honest. That's all I'm going to say. Couldn't have dropped to a better situation. Again, I kind of – I feel I like this guy better than I like Sonny Michel, um, uh, even if my tears don't say it. <laughs> um, this guy could be just in for an explosion, like let's get this career started kind of situation.
1: I agree with you 100%. I have him ahead of Sonny Michelle, ahead of Tevin Coleman, uh, ahead of Lamar Miller. Uh I like Darius Geis. I think it's uh, a great situation. I mean, look, when when you don't flash the year before, I mean, uh, anyone that's a dynasty owner of a Samaj P. Ryan, I don't think that you're sitting here going, you're not feeling very good about yourself right now. Uh that that potential is pretty much gonna go out the window. That there Geis is is gonna be is a much better talent and, and he's gonna he's gonna take over and, and it's it's gonna be good. I, I think he's a real value right there.
2: Yeah, Darius Guys the things that you worry about is how much passing game is he gonna get. Uh we we know that LSU doesn't throw to their backs a lot. We saw how Leonard Fournette was able to come in and catch more passes in the NFL than he did at the collegiate level. But uh you know, instead of Leonard Fournette, uh they have a pass catching back on the squad and Chris Thompson, who when healthy has been very, very effective and efficient. So that's something that's to keep an eye on, uh, his overall workload as a receiver. And then also, Jay Gruden has always taken it slow with these rookies. Uh, but if he doesn't, if he somehow inserted as the top back from day one, he should put up a very nice season and blow past even where we have him ranked here. Great. Aaron Jones. First, first, Aaron
1: Jones, first Green Bay Packer running back, we're talking about.
2: Yeah, Aaron Jones is you know the most explosive player out of that backfield. Jamal Williams is sort of the grinder. Uh, Ty Montgomery has been getting a lot of the off-season hype so far, saying they have packages built up for, him, saying that they're going to go full blown. You know, BC. Um, and that's something I definitely think is possible, but if I'm betting on a talent, it's got to be Aaron Jones and his explosive playmaking ability in between the tackles.
1: I love Aaron Jones. Actually in the dynasty league, I think it was was because of your advice. I had uh, went back to back. I had late uh, third round picks. I took uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So, uh, and Aaron Jones turned out to be the better pick of the two of them. So, uh, definitely, much more of a of a big playmaker, of a guy that can, uh, you know, uh, turn it quick. Uh, Jamal Williams is just more of that grinder. So yeah, definitely, I'm, I'm I am I like Aaron Jones. I think this is a nice value too, where you're getting him. You know, again, uh, the Packers have a good offense, but they need to get extra out of the out of the the running backs, and and they can get it through the passing game, and Jones can give it to you. You're
0: relying on Jones rising to the top, which. I think we all are on Team Jones, no question about it. I test, had him on my team last year, had some really nice games. Um, but it, they literally came out this week and said they're going to do a committee. And Staggs is saying that Montgomery's got packages. And, and we know, um, you know, Williams is good as well. So it's, it's a little worrisome. Um, you're really, if you're taking him here over some of the guys that I think are around, um, and and you know maybe maybe it's not great over the next ten picks, but you're relying on him rising to the top, and yep. uh, I, or you're and, and if if Williams gets hurt, boom, the way that if Aaron Jones didn't get hurt last year, he would have been had one of the best, in my opinion, he would have had one of the best rookie running back uh, seasons that we can remember over the course of you know this new millenn- a long time. He was crushing it. Then he got hurt, and all of a sudden it was like, Williams, crushing it. And I don't know. I just – God, if Williams had never gotten hurt, We it would be uh, – we'd be speaking about Williams – or, I mean, um, uh, Aaron uh, being a top two-round pick, maybe three-round, but high as hell. That's how good he looked when he was in there.
2: Yep. Let's move on to the next one.
0: Uh. Yep. Marshawn Lynch. I agree that he was that awesome when he was playing last year. Am I being crazy?
2: I don't think he would have had a like spectacular season. I think he would have been one of these guys that would be drafting in the third round. All right. Cool. Uh, All right
0: I'm down with that. That's high. Okay, good. I agree with that. Um, Marshawn. Marshawn
2: Lynch. I don't have much exciting to say about Marshawn Lynch right now. He looks locked in to, you know, the top role on an offense that should be able to move the ball better, will focus a bit on the run game under John Gruden and who has a good line in front of him. But he's older than Dart. Uh, Isn't that special as a receiver? Isn't that special as a runner anymore? So you're just hoping for some yards and some touchdowns. He's not going to be a guy I'm targeting at all. And I'd much rather have Royce Freeman.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Look, I don't want the guy that, all of his best games are past them and I'm just getting that, that placeholder, you know, I want a guy that has a potential to give me a boom type of game and uh, more than one. And so let's move on to the next guy, Royce Freeman, because here's a guy that can, they're liking everything that he's doing in camp, you know, and again, look at what the competition is for him. Now that CJ Anderson has, has been dispelled, it's, it's Devonta Booker. Has Devonta Booker done anything that, that really wowed any of us, uh, you know, everything that he did great was basically on the practice field because you always heard coaches talking about how good he is. And then you get to see him on a game and it was just blah. So I think Freeman's got a great chance to come in here, uh, make a nice impact. And Case Keenum running that show, I think, is a lot better for them uh, and for him than it, than it is when it was Trevor Simeon or anyone else that they were trotting out there last year, Paxton Lynch.
2: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit higher on Devontae Booker than everybody. I, I guess it's mostly to do with his passing game usage. Uh, and then he's also shown more, you know, when given carries uh, that I think he's been given credit for. I don't think the offensive lines have been good in front of him, and I don't think the, you know, passing game has been anything to worry about when he's actually gotten those opportunities. So, I you know, and when they're talking about that offense, they're talking about how great he – you know Freeman is picking it up, but they are still saying that Devonte Booker is the one. Um, but I, I will move uh, Freeman up my ranks a bit, so he he will jump up a bit in our collective. Uh, if I had to guess for the next round, nice
0: running back thirty-one, Marlon Mack. Uh, another situation. I think the uh, the departure of um, uh, Go- Gore help. But um, then they went and drafted two running backs uh, this uh, April, May. What are your thoughts
2: on 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 Mac at this point? I mean, it looks like he's a lead back who can catch some passes, but projecting them for yeah, you know, we talk about frames with some of these guys and we talk about how big they are and how they could hold up for carries. Marlon Mack's frame is a frame I worry about. So, uh, you know, drafting him as an RB3 with some upside, I I think is the right play. Uh, And I do think, you know, Jordan Wilkins is going to have some first and second down work coming his way. Uh, And Naheem Hines is going to be a gadget third down type of, you know, Darren Sproul's role type of
1: player. And my biggest concern is that, that I don't like the Indianapolis offense this year, and especially if we don't know what we're getting out of luck. And if you get nothing out of luck, you might be out of luck. So, uh, yeah.
0: You he didn't hear. He, he threw uh, he threw last week. He threw a, a one of those little footballs that you get at the top of a milkshake straw at, at, <laughs> uh, at, the, at the Dairy Queen. He threw one of those uh, for half a day. So he's just totally on target. For the opening uh, opening week.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I did just see the thing where he was throwing with high school footballs. So yeah. yes, yeah, yeah.
0: And he said, I've thrown with the Duke. I've thrown with the Duke. Oh, brother. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on to the next guy. Um, that's gonna be um Carlos Hyde, running back 32 on Cleveland. This is a situation let's just do back to back, because running back 33 is Duke Johnson. You see this everywhere. You see it in drafts, you see it in people's tiers. These guys are like in the same tier. They're like right next to each other. And it's Cleveland. Top top 35 backs. um, One backfield is sustainable. Whether it's Ty God or whether it's um, Baker Mayfield. I just think these guys almost, and I like Mac and I like uh, Duke Johnson individually. I mean, uh, Hyde and Duke Johnson um, individually, but this team doesn't sustain that high a pick for two guys, in my opinion. Not yet. I think you're a year or two away.
2: Yeah, well, it's sustaining three picks that's the real problem because Nick Chubb is another guy who's being highly drafted. Uh, they've got three running backs in the top you know, 60 or, or eight, top 80 picks of MFL 10s because there's no clarity on the situation. You know, Carlos Hyde is a guy who can catch passes, uh, you know, running between the tackles, run well out of shotgun, uh, which might mesh with, you know, Ty God. And then, you know, Nick Chubb is a guy they've been confident to Jamal Lewis, running the ball down people's throats. Um, so there's just not a lot of clarity in this backfield. I think it, in PPR leagues, you should definitely be taking Duke Johnson the highest. Um, there's not a, really a doubt in my mind about that because he seems to have the most clarity on his role. Absolutely. Because between Hyde and Chubb, they're fighting it out.
1: Yeah, that's that's to me. The clarity is Duke Johnson. You draft Duke Johnson, PPR league. If you're looking at the other ones, I've always hated Carlos Hyde. So if I'm gonna invest in anyone, I'll wait the extra round and a half later and take Nick Chubb uh and and be happy about it. But if you're drafting Carlos Hyde, you have got to worry about the attrition coming from Chubb. Chubb is not going to take anything away from Duke Johnson's game.
2: Yeah, Carlos Hyde, the only thing is, Over. I think, I think uh, Hugh Jackson needs to win football games. So I feel like he's going to trot out vets. I, I've made the stance very fucking clear. I think they're trotting out vets that, for a while there. Well, hold on a
1: second. For how long? Because like the Bears did the same thing with Mike Glennon, and then they left it go after three games. If if the Browns go zero and five, do you think that they don't just fire Hugh on the spot?
2: Yeah, until Hugh gets fired, I'm putting my stock in Carlos Hyde. But they they didn't fire the guy after a one and thirty one stretch over two seasons. So what the I, fuck do I, I know? I agree with
0: Stags. Hold on, uh, and what I do think even more so than anything is that Duke Johnson is going to be the high-drafted guy because mostly people do PPR, and people like this guy, and he's got that solid role, as you guys mentioned. He's going to be overdrafted. Duke Johnson is going to be overdrafted this year. I'm staying away from that guy wholeheartedly, and I would rather go on the B side of that that A side because Duke Johnson, there's just, there's just almost no doubt in my mind he's going to be a bust this year on how – he's getting overdrafted with two other guys in the backfield. Last year you had Isaiah Crowell team was garbage and even less wide receivers didn't have a quarterback. It's I'm this backfield. I'm staying away from.
2: I can respect that. I, the guy I'd take over these guys in the backfield are the next two guys. I'd rather draft carry on Johnson. For sure. No, I'd rather have Chris Thompson. Carry yep. on Johnson's going into a, a team where Amir Abdullah failed to sort of ascend to the top role. Uh, you know, he's a big back who can sort of grind things out, make things happen in between the tackles. They've got they've got some Maulers up there in in the front of Detroit for the first time in a couple of years. Uh he's underrated as a pass catcher. The only thing is you're not going to write him into a big pass-catching role from day one, but he could probably carve out, you know, a little role there. Uh, But they also have, you know, Blunt in town and Amir Abdullah, so it looks like a crowded backfield. So I I just won't be spending a premium pick on him, but if it's my third or fourth running back, I'm willing to take a shot on a rookie who could have a much bigger workload than we can write him in for right this second.
1: I agree and and the, look Detroit's another team that's been searching 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 for that guy to take over as their number 1 running back so uh, I I like carry on. And Chris Thompson, so let's talk about Chris Thompson. We mentioned him earlier. Dynamic can we
2: carry on to Chris Thompson.
1: We can carry on to Chris Thompson. And They're who's, who's... Well He's a dynamic receiver, my friend, and he scores touchdowns. Look but... Uh, I like Chris Thompson a lot. And again, you know, you're bringing in guys, you're bringing in a guy that, that hasn't necessarily proven that he has that in his game. Um, you, you look at how dynamic Thompson is, when healthy, when he was out there, what he was doing in that offense, you look at what they really don't have as far as depth at wide receiver. He's going to be a big part. And, and again, one of these guys that can make impact games for you when you're starting a guy in a flex and, and and he can maybe give you like those four catches for, for 80 yards, you know, so uh, can make an impact on just a, a limited amount of touches. Love Chris Thompson.
2: Yeah, I think he's much more of a sort of 50 catch for five or for 400 receiving yards type of player than he is a 39 for 510 and four touchdowns. You know, I see some regression in the receiving game, and I don't really see more room for carries with the addition of Geis. I think he's probably capped off at around 75 carries. So I think he's going to be good, but if you're expecting him to come in and, you know, maintain the success that he had, uh, you know, or through, that, through 10 weeks last season, I just don't think that's something that's feasible.
0: Do you think – um Alex Smith being there this year, as opposed to the Kirk Cousins, um, could help him?
2: I think it's about no change. Alex Smith loves tight ends more than he loves running backs. But, uh, I mean, Goal. the amount Goal. they Goal. throw to running backs. back. Huh?
1: Let's go on to the next guy. Well, yeah. before, before we get to the next guy uh, yeah. and our next speed round, Let's take one more break and listen to this.
0: All right. Um, cool. Yeah, I think we actually did – we caught up pretty well there, actually. So um, let's not let our foot off the pedal, but let's, uh, let's, let's keep going on. Um, we are going to go to Isaiah Crowell. He's now a New York Jet and he's at running back 36.
1: Yeah. yeah this is, go ahead. Steve. You go. All right, I just, I don't like it. I don't like Isaiah Crowell at this point in time with the Jets. It's it's more the, the you know, can you go from a, a, a worse team from Cleveland and you're like, well, it's got to get better. And you're like, oh, it's just the Jets. Like, come on. Um, with Bilal Powell there and, you know, with, with potentially the rookie quarterback where they may have to scale things down. Uh, or, uh, you know, just too much not going right this season for me to invest in Isaiah Crowell as a Jet.
2: Like, Isaiah Crowell is a guy who won't give you good weeks, but will somehow end up a top 40 running back in standard because he has 220 or so touches. Like, he's a guy you're never going to want to play, but... You know, it, they'll the numbers will accumulate. The counting stats at the end of the year will be better than the sum of his games. You know what I mean?
0: Yep. For sure. For sure. Let's go to running back uh, 37. I think this is an interesting one. Um, you know, Bill Belichick is super frustrating. The Patriots backfield always puts up a lot of fantasy points. Always a pretty crowded situation. Rex Burkhead, I mean – Basically, the goal line back, potentially the third down back. If Sony can't get it, he should figure the shit out. Uh, this is just a guy that his swing is enormous. He could he could be sitting here um, right where we we've got him listed at thirty seven. He could go up twenty if he's all of a sudden uh, Belichick's uh, poster boy for the backfield, and he could be. This year's Mike Gillislee,
2: yeah, th- those are definitely all options. Uh, I, I, I'm not writing Burkhead into the third down role, but the Patriots like to throw it to their backs on first and second down. Um, he's going to be involved. He scored touchdowns last year. Like, I just don't know. Like, you're drafting him for the upside of maybe a Sony Michelle injury or benching. If he were to take that role, you know, it's probably not going to be anybody else that can really step up to him right away. Because my bet is it's Rex Burkhead, it's Sony Michelle, it's James White, and it's Brandon Bolden. And then Jeremy Hill doesn't make the team. So maybe they re-sign him as a street-free agent if he's not signed by another team in the event of a Sony Michelle injury. So he's one of these handcuffs that has value from day one. It would be my guess. And maybe he has even more value than that, because we don't know if Sony's going to ascend to the throne, you know, from day one.
1: No, and that's exactly what I was saying before. Rex will be the guy that you would want to trust more in the early part of the season. So maybe he's the guy that you draft, you play him in the first few weeks, and then you trade him when his value is high. Because I think once Sony comes in, I think really where Rex fits in is that he'll be the guy that'll be the vulture, and he'll steal touchdowns from all the other guys.
0: Well, I think... Yeah. What- Hearing from both of you guys, which and we know none of us here, I, I was probably more years ago when there wasn't as much talent uh, rich of a league. But both of you guys are basically saying if you're doing Sony and you can pull off uh, a handcuff without overpaying for it with Rex Burkhead, um, might be a good call. Having both those guys might end up uh, all right. Again, I'm not saying. I, I, Rex Burkhead might be a little too early here, but um, if if you're not overpaying, for some reason, white guys on on uh, on the Patriots uh, they drop a little bit. Um, Thirty-eight, Jamal Williams. I'm scared of that
2: guy. We, we, we talked about talk him a little him. bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's got a role. He's probably the short yardage back. And he could be the vulture. Uh, So that caps Aaron Jones a little bit for me right now. I I need some clarity in that backfield. I'm not getting it. It's sort of the same with Nick Chubb. I think he could be a short yardage back from day one. um, The grinder in between the tackles if they ever get a lead. But, you know, it's just not enough clarity. These are two backfields uh, with lots of guys. So, most more often than not, you know, my theory is to invest in the cheapest one. It's a, it's a write off, but it works. Well,
1: and I tell you for me, I, I, I would invest in Chubb, uh, you know, based on him coming off of the injury that he did in college and now that he's fully healthy. Um, and again, it's Carlos Hyde in front of him. You know, if you're not having to pay up for him and expect to be playing him right away, as long as you can pick him and he's sitting on your bench for the first four weeks and, and that's fine, I like Chubb. Uh, and I would avoid Jamal Williams.
0: Um, All right. and we've talked about the next guys too. So this is, this is good. We're going to start hovering through this as we close out, as Houdini said, our last 30 minute little segment. Um, we got Nick Chubb. We just talked about, we talked about Tariq Cohen as well. Uh, running back for each Chicago tree Cohen. Um, second easiest, uh, strength schedule. The bears have, um, what are what are your thoughts? Do you would you like uh, Tariq Cohen stag party? Where do you want him on your team? Where do you feel like he fits? And uh, at this draft capital, is is it or no way?
2: I like Tariq Cohen enough. We got to remember he was like fourth in running back receptions last year uh, as a rookie in return yardage leagues. He's going to provide value there. Um, Overall, I, I don't see him being a guy getting 160 carries. I bet it's more in the 120 range to 140, and then getting that 60 or so receptions. But in PPR leagues, that provides immense value. Uh, in standard, it's a little less value. But but you know he's still going to put up some counting stats, still going to score some touchdowns, and they're going to find plenty of creative ways to use them. You know, they're talking about how they're using him on some of the plays they, you know, designed for Tariq Hill in Kansas City. So, it, it, he's got value. He's got some upside because of a creative offense coordinator. But he also has, you know, some downside by the fact that he's a fucking midget.
1: <laughs> <laughs> true, true enough. But the other thing that you got to like is that he does have the potential to have boom-type games for you because of uh, – you know, the, the way that they use him and just his big playmaking ability. Remember he had like I think it was like uh a couple like it was like a two or three big plays last year that were called back and one that was basically a touchdown where he was inbounds and they called him out of bounds against, against Pittsburgh. And it was like a 70 yard play. So uh like him a uh, lot
2: game winning touchdown and overcome best ball guy.
1: Yeah. It sounds like from Houdini
0: that statement he's he's a good best ball guy where it's like he's gonna have some explosions and I agree with that. But um, if you talked about some other running backs previously that you're starting on a week-to-week basis and very underwhelmed on a regular basis, um, Tariq Cohen is uh, going gonna to probably that guy as well. Fits the bill.
1: Fits the bill. Let's go to yeah. – uh, tell us why, again, uh, we talked about Devonta Booker a little uh, before. You got anything else you want to add on him, Staggs?
2: Yeah. I mean, we talk about draft capitals for the players – Uh, Between Freeman and, you know, Booker, it's not that big of a difference, uh, third round or fourth round. Booker's shown ability as a pass catcher, but so has Royce Freeman in college. It just seems like, you know, early in the season that this is a guy that they're going to rely on, um, and he's going to get more carries than people think, and I don't think he's awful like a lot of people seem to do. Um, He's underwhelming. Um, but you know, the team around him while he was underwhelming wasn't all that in a bag of potatoes.
0: Devontae Booker seems to me like a guy that's going to carve out like a 13 year career. I don't know if he's going to be uh, a guy that's just a guy, one of your stags guys, or if he's going to be able to do anything for uh, Denver or a future team, but he's 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 a style player. Um, I Definitely have liked him. I've seen I've seen him play. I think I don't really worry too much with him and Royce. I think I'm shocked that Devonte Booker's higher than C.J. Anderson. Who's our next guy? C.J. Anderson seems like I blame you. Kind of catapults a lot of these dudes we've been talking about. Just on pure what if.
2: Well, you need to increase your rank of CJ Anderson, and then we'll I'll all be fine. <laughs> uh, so CJ Anderson, we talked about the role. We talked about how it should be around 200 carries with a little bit of upside for more. Should you know Christian McCaffrey underwhelm again? But you know he was always very good as a receiver. That's definitely capped now to maybe 20 or so receptions. Uh, Cam Newton vultures the RB touchdowns from the RBs in Carolina so the touchdown upside that you know CJ Anderson displayed with Peyton Manning doesn't look as existent so you know maybe he's a a 900 you know a thousand total yard type of player with five or six touchdowns and then that provides big value on where we have him ranked right here but there's also you know the downside that he could be, uh, you know, a seven hundred with four uh, type of player, and then he's just a guy because you know the role isn't as quite as big as we think.
1: I think I think it's more the latter. I think it's kind of like you're going to have the sim- similar season if you own Jonathan Stewart last year, that type of disappointment, and especially if you're if you're uh, talking earlier like you were about how Christian McCaffrey is going to be taking a much bigger role in this offense. I think that that uh, that hurts that potential upside, unless you feel that this Carolina team is going to be a team that's putting up enough points that there'll be five or six touchdowns left for him to get. I, I do think it's
2: uh, going to be a very good offense. Yeah, they
0: seem, I think. I think they're. You think they're going to be good offense? Willie said. I think they're going to surprise people as they usually do. I'm not stunned. We'll see.
2: Let's go to Theo Riddick. Uh, Theo Riddick, we should change his name to Theo Roll because he's probably the third down back. Uh, he mixed in a lot more as a runner last season. looked pretty effective doing it. The problem is there's just a ton of guys in that backfield now, um, and he's sort of suffered through bang-ups uh, bang, bang ups over the last couple seasons. Uh did play a 16-game schedule last year. But he, he's definitely a guy that looks capped on carries because he's basically a wide receiver playing running back.
1: Yeah. To me, to me, here's the guy that that will end up having the 13 year career like Darren Sproles, you know, because he does his one thing. He's not going to, they're not going to ask him as much anymore to be taking that beating. Uh, so you're, you're getting a much more one dimensional player with uh, a few runs sprinkled in more so now. Yeah. Next. Dante Foreman. Achilles.
2: Uh, Achilles. <laughs> yeah. Achilles. Uh but we talked about how Lamar Miller is underwhelmed. And if there's a spot for uh you know, a big aggressive pound at running back who showed some things as a receiver last year that we really hadn't seen out of him. Uh, you know, it, it is a spot to where he could ascend and you know, take a job from somebody. The thing is he just has to be healthy enough to do it. Um and I'm not sure that, that he is.
1: Agreed. Uh you got anything about him, Drex.
2: Wasting away to Margaritaville.
1: Let's go to the muscle hamster. Let's go to the the, the counterfoil to Lynch. Pass on you.
2: Uh, so, we talked about how we were underwhelmed by Marshawn Lynch. You know, Doug Martin's a guy who's had some 1,600 yard from scrimmage seasons. Uh, when healthy, he's been pretty productive and now moves to a much better O line from what he had um, in Tampa Bay. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's been able to score double digit touchdowns rushing in his career. Um, has had 1,400-yard rushing seasons, has had 1,900-yard total seasons. Um, And when we talk about those vaunted games, he destroyed Philly for 235 yards a couple seasons back. Uh, And, and I'm pretty sure his real blow-up in his rookie year of 2012 was against the Raiders.
1: Yeah, and, and to me, it's it's about opportunity. And the opportunity with an old guy ahead of you That's not bad. So, you know, if I'm reaching at this point in time and I can get him, um, I think there'll be potential, you know, and Gruden's got to prove stuff in his first year. He's got to make things work. So, you know, he's doing the thing, bring on veterans. Uh, So he's a younger, he's the younger veteran.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's 29. But the other two backs on this team, DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard are more, you know, 80 to 90 carry players in the NFL who are, are better receivers than they are, uh, you know, runners. So if Marshawn Lynch were to go down, Doug Martin steps into a pretty big role as a rusher, and he might even yep. ascend to that because of Marshawn Lynch's age, you know, quicker than we think. He's he's a risky upside-type play. Absolutely
1: about we go back to the crowded uh, backfield of Detroit and Blunt? Uh do you want the hammer I mean I know I, I, I don't I, I think to me it's either on Johnson or Theo Riddick and you're going for uh, the type of player that they are I, I, I don't know that I don't know that I would want to rely on LeGarrette Blunt, who I'm only way I'm going to get my points is if you get the ball in the end zone
2: yeah I mean that's it uh, I, I think they don't have many red zone weapons. You know, they got rid of Eric Ebron, who provided them size in the red zone. Marvin Jones, you know, scored nine touchdowns last season, but that was a lot as a vertical threat. When they got into the red zone, I don't think they were good at converting. And, you know, between LeGarrette Blunt and Carrion Johnson, that should change a little bit.
0: Yeah, Blount, uh, we'll see. I uh, I agree. I, I'm like, I'm all in, I'm all on board with the carry on. Um it seems like Blunt could get traded or dropped and be on a different team by week 6 this year.
2: I'm, okay. So we're at RB 47. I mean Frank Gore uh Frank Gore, we don't we've got major questions about the role. Uh but when he's in there, he provides a steadying presence. Uh, For a team that looks to have young running backs around him and young skilled players uh, all around him, so he's just that consistent guy that if they need to call upon him, I think he'll be there. But right now, you could I I, projecting him for anything is you know maybe fool's gold. I I think he's the steady veteran presence that's probably going to end up with ten to twelve touches a week. Uh, and just won't be fantasy viable because he hasn't, you know, been overly explosive in a few years. And he's not getting
1: that that tremendous uh, goal line touches anymore.
2: Yeah, and he's probably unlikely to get third down work like he has. So all the roles that Frank Gore so, sort of exceeded at, I think they have someone better, younger, you know, more upside in place of him. I'd much rather bet on Chris Carson. I've got to move Frank Gore way down in my
0: rankings. (laughs) I like Chris Carson. He looked great in a a real small sample last year. Uh, Obviously got injured and things went sideways. But, damn, he looked like something exciting for the Seattle Seahawks. Obviously got Penny, uh, took him in the end of the first round. This Carson might be a good guy to swoop in and grab a little bit later because he's gonna he's gonna be available at a much better uh, ADP, and if Penny either doesn't get it, isn't uh, a great tandem uh, with Russell, if things aren't going their way, and and Carson, who's a beast, a big boy, is just uh, getting things going on, you could could be a nice value pick.
2: I mean, he's going in the twelfth or thirteenth round. Nice uh, what dropping, dropping from uh, dropping thirty picks since the time he was uh, drafted? Uh, you know, Rashad Penny. So there's definitely built-in upside, and there's also he's one of the guys who you know could do nothing. What? But that's the type of player in the twelfth or thirteenth round. I'm willing to take a shot on, oh. uh, you know, for the total upside.
1: Well, well, said. yeah. Well, and especially because Seattle expects to win, so if they're not winning with Penny, they'll move to Carson if they're still in it. You know, so uh, it, it's it's just good upside. And still, receiver
0: situation there, uh, and the tight end with Jimmy. I, I don't. It's they're not in a better place. Richardson and Jimmy Graham not being weapons for Russell Wilson than they were a year ago or last season. Uh, which I think benefits uh, Carson um, plenty. So let's move on. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, running back 49, Cincinnati.
2: I think Gio is a guy who's going to blow away this ADP, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, I think he's just going to be there as the consistent, you know, force in the offense, third down back, change of pace player who provides some explosiveness Uh, outside of the tackles, Uh, you know, since coming back from his ACL, he got more and more and more involved late in the season. Um, But we sort of have a lot of these third down back change of pace guys in a little bit of a run here. We've got Gio Bernard, Bilal Powell, Ty Montgomery and James White. And you could sort of see, you know, what they all have in common. They all excel as pass catchers. Uh, they, they're going to be in the hurry-up offense uh, for their teams. I, I don't see many question marks there. And I think each one, through attrition and injuries ahead of them, will probably finish more like RB30 than RB50.
1: Yeah, the one thing for me, I, I, you know, if you, you're talking Geo, Powell, Montgomery, and White, all these guys, I'd rather have the guy – <clears throat> that are on better teams. So I'd rather probably lean toward a James White or a Ty Montgomery. I understand what Geo is and how he's locked in. Uh, I just don't see Cincinnati sustaining a lot of drives this year. I think this is just, this is the final year, uh, you, you know, for, for, for Mar, uh, for um, his name? Marvin. Lewis, uh, Marvin Lewis. And I think it's just going to be kind of a train wreck. Uh, and I don't, don't want to be anywhere part of it. And again, with Bilal Powell, um, you know, Powell, I think, is just – he is Meh. what he is. This Meh. is a guy who's – right, he's been doing this for how many years? So I'd rather take my shots with Montgomery and James White on teams that have better offenses built around them. The more plays that you run, the more chances you have to get opportunities.
2: Yeah, uh, and I even like Elijah McGuire – um he's really growing on me as a guy who could, you know, supplant Ball Powell and get a lot more rushing work than we expect, you know, maybe in place of Isaiah Crowell, who's, you know, underwhelming.
1: Yeah. Is there anybody else that you even care uh, to talk about? Here's what I'll say. I think this has been an
0: awesome show. We went in depth and we kind of pulled it back in on our uh, time per player. And I think we did a good job getting here through 50 guys. Um, what I'll say is just maybe we close it out with some last. Do you, is there a dude that you think's lower than this that has just this upside that might put him into the top 25, top 15, top 10, just by that happenstance in the Alvin Kamara realm? Um, is there a guy that you think if, every, if all the stars align, everything falls in place with his situation, with his talent, whoever he is, rookie or the oldest guy in the league, that below where that we haven't talked about that could
1: pop in and, and, and be a stud? I'll give you one. I'll give you one. God forbid something happens to Todd Gurley. There's nobody behind him except for John Kelly.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a creative offense. Uh, he excels as a pass catcher. So he, he can run a lot of different things. Um, Mine probably be Peyton Barber. If we're looking at the Tampa Bay backfield, they just have the slight Ronald Jones in front of them. He's a guy I think who could, you know, potentially is just the short yardage, maybe touchdown vulture, uh, a guy who can also maybe, you know, catch 20 or so passes. I I think he's just a a viable player. Uh, I do like, you know, quite a few of these guys' talent, but the roles are so you know, murky and hard to write in right now. But it's hard to write in like Corey Clement uh getting a big rushing workload enough to sustain his two or three catches, especially with you know Darren Sproles coming back to be you know what Darren Sprouls always has been.
0: Yeah. I'll give uh I like a Matt Brida, Bryda, um, Breda, whatever on San Francisco. I think if if you get it, um McKinnon, as Houdini thinks, not being able to take the workload. Um, he's he's the guy. Wayne Gallman, if something could happen to Barkley, as my dog finally wakes up. Um, those are two guys. Also, um, when you look at DeMarco Murray, there's unsigned guys. Um, and if you're doing early drafts, if you're doing – there's guys that you can take that – do I love DeMarco Murray right now? No but he hasn't signed for a reason. He's going to put himself in a position where he can get fucking carries. So think about players that aren't signed right now, and there might not be that many of them other than DeMarco Murray, but um, I, I like him a lot. James Conner, if something does happen to uh, Le'Veon Bell, doesn't sign, just holds. But not, he's already signed, but um, if something happens there, injury, now all of a sudden you got a local uh, in James Conner, you're going to be right now looking at this list, he's running back 67. It's not a handcuff, but if it's a value pick and you're you're never wishing someone gets injured or hurt, but um, if it does happen, it feels pretty good to be on the flip side of it. I know I won a championship wholeheartedly because, um, uh, oh, shit, on the Indianapolis Colts um, – uh, Andrew and James went down and uh, his replacement. Dominic Rhodes. Dominic Rhodes. He won me a championship. Dominic Rhodes. There's just no doubt about it. So do it.
1: That's do, all it. do it. Do <laughs> it.
0: Any, uh, any others? Uh, that's it. That's it, man. Uh, nice work, boys. This has been a good show. Um, I know we did, I didn't mention this at the beginning of the show, but we're not together, obviously um usually we do the show together uh in uh my living room have a good time with trains going by but uh we are apart we'll be doing a show in two weeks that it will cover uh or no yeah in two next no week. we're doing it next week because of the holiday next week we'll be doing wide receivers um and yeah we got some great stuff coming out check out that draft kit uh check out draft, uh stag party on um Twitter and that's it I at Pyro, p y R O underscore stag or no no I don't not underscore no, that is stag. Uh you're killing it there and uh check out um, Houdini on Grinder and uh <laughs> <laughs> I love we you should guys <laughs> Nice work. Love you guys.
1: Later. Later. Peace.